I'm your co-host, Tony. And I am Sid, and welcome to Not Your Magical Negro, a podcast where we'll be taking a deep dive into Black fantasy and horror and dissecting shows and uh, movies through a Black and queer lens. This season, we continue to explore Lovecraft Country, a show where the horrors and reality of racism are uh, more frightening than any creature or monster from our imaginations. So, I mean, just very quickly, I mean, fuck me, this was one hell of an episode. I think if I could... If, if if I do say so myself, Listen, I, 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 what's what's even more wild to me is that I had forgotten all of the, like so much of this. I'm like, how did I forget so much? Like, like I I remember just of it. I was just like, oh, this is the episode where Ruby transforms into that random white lady. But then <laughs> I was like, damn, like I, I don't know. They brought us to a whole different um, space, I think. Um, And I think that you said that episode three gave the show its legs. Yo, Mm -hmm. um, this is where the shins, the toes, and all of like, all of the- uh, All of the above, yeah. all like really came together for me 100% in this episode. And episode five is um, called uh, Strange Case. And in this episode, uh, we follow Ruby's character closely as she starts to navigate the world without inhibitions of her new body. But the price of the gift might be too much for her, too much for her, and the proximity to prejudice ends up being costlier than she imagined. Ain't that the damn truth? Ain't that ain't the as a, and that's the gospel <laughs> truth? And that's how Mary had a little lamb. You feel me? Like, right, that's, that's how Mary had a little lamb. Yeah. But uh, that was wild. I mean, uh, this episode did what I love, and uh, and I love the social co- the social commentary on things and the racial dynamics and parallels of what was happening in society at the time. That's 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 another reason why I like to watch period based things like that because it makes me think of just all the nuances of living in society, like at a certain period of time, and you know, it's I just love when shows do that. And that's one of the things I love about Lovecraft Country. But uh, it also explored intersectionality uh, in a really, really interesting way. Um, And we see it with white womanhood versus black womanhood. But then we also see it with masculine and feminine elements at play, you know, at least quote for quote, in the queer community, uh, which we get to see through Montrose. Oh, mantras. Okay, so episode five uh, really shows us the lengths of manipulation Christina is willing to go (laughs) in order to get the things that she wants. And metamorphosis is the theme of this episode. And we see even characters we love transform into monsters in more ways than one. So listen, let's let's jump right in. Because child, when I say (laughs) I I wasn't prepared, I wasn't prepared. Okay. I, I was not prepared for everything that I had left behind. I'm like, like not left behind. I, I was like, just like, just I didn't think I saw it that and... long ago. But listen, that's what I was saying. I was just like, did it just come out like two years ago? Like, listen, this is what happens when you watch something once. 
uh, and, then, and then come back to it. That's that's literally what. Yeah, this that's is. true. And then also analyzing it too, which is uh, also what we're doing. Completely uh, different um, than yeah. just regularly watching it. So the first scene that we see as soon as we open is a white woman, and I'm just going to be very honest. Uh, this is the same white woman that Leticia knocked the fuck out at the Artem House. Uh, <laughs> yes. And, and and she's waking up in this very luxurious bed, and she goes to the mirror and she says, "Wake up, Ruby." And I thought to myself what the fuck happened to ruby <laughs> you want to talk about the body snatchers like that is just, i was like what the fuck just happened i was like did this lady possess ruby i was like what wait what's going on i was so quite right. and, and and listen you know i'm trying to get better as a person these are the notes that i wrote <laughs> but i read them back and i thought to myself girl that's fucked up so what i wrote was <laughs> What I wrote was, I can't believe, why is Ruby being replaced by this very not attractive white woman? And then I said, you know what, you know, that. that's really fucked up. I just wasn't expecting her to have no lips. I feel like that's really <laughs> what, what, what like threw me off because she's really not unattractive. It was just, it was just like. No, I mean, it, it was, it, I think it's just also too weird just to, you're just, a, I mean, also attaching just what an awful fucking human being we already saw her be. You know so what I'm saying? Like seeing Ruby take on this form in particular was just like, why, why this one though? Why couldn't it have just been like a clean slate, random white woman? Because I like, would agree with that. If that would have been right. Random white woman that I've right. never seen before. Right, that I've never <laughs> seen before. Okay. Right, exactly. But, right. but the whore with the black bears who were not smart, smart. Like I remember you, bitch. No, but it's that, okay. I, yeah, no, so, was that? Yeah, I was, the, I was very upset, but it's okay. okay. That's really um, the only thing that got me up with that one. Um, now, she oh. decides to go roam uh, the white streets uh, <laughs> in her brand new lily white ass in her very black ass neighborhood. So she goes up to a barbershop. She starts looking at herself in the reflection. She's freaking out. And this black man comes out and asks if she's okay. And she tries to say her name. And then she runs into this poor black boy. And all of a sudden... The popo that, show up. That... Popo show up. And tell me why in this moment when the police are rolling up, as soon as they do, Ruby realizes uh, that uh, uh, we, we realize that Ruby is a white woman for real, for real, but she doesn't realize it because as soon as the police roll up, she's like, oh, shit. Yo, the fact that she just threw it, I, I put that in my notes if I was like, the how, how quickly Ruby just threw her. They all flew into the corner. They looking at her like, bitch, aren't you, what side are you? And that <laughs> I put that in my notes there as well, too. It's just like how interesting just that just that in itself that how jarring that must have been that the cops show up and a white woman just instantly just threw her hands in the air and stood beside beside the kid that that was happening to, she let separate herself. I thought that was one, just a very subtle, like uh, almost like a weird kind of beautiful moment, kind of like a way the fact that like she was. It was the subtlest of storytelling that right. that I absolutely fall in love with every single time they do something like that, mm -hmm. where you know exactly what's going on and you've right. literally watched only three seconds of footage and you know where you're at, what time it is and why you should be afraid. Like right. I absolutely adore that type of storytelling where you mm -hmm. don't even need much. Like there's, it's such a art. Um, now at this point, the police 
now uh, are about to beat the shit out of this uh, little boy and until she says something. At this point, I'm like, yo, you better speak up, bitch. Say something. Because I guess she was a little stuck at first. And then she finally says, oh, well, I, he was just trying to help me just like the little boy earlier explained. And he's like, are you sure? Is he trying to molest you? Don't protect <laughs> this animal. <laughs> yeah, no, that... The, the first of all, the aggression, and I'm not laughing because it's funny, I'm laughing because it's it's just so ridiculous. And so but then again, with the, and it's just so, but it's so real today, but it's just, it's just so OD because you really see just, there's nothing happening here, but the aggression that is instant, that this is instantly met with, like, I'm like, yo, like you guys, like, and the fact that look at the terminology that they're using, look, look, you need to defend this animal. I was like, yo, are you, mm, but like that, mm. And that just shows you how, how really they saw us at the time. You know what I'm saying? So sure. it's it's just that instant aggression. And the reason why I said earlier that it was a it was kind of a beautiful moment to see when Ruby threw her hands up. It was because even though she was in the body of this white woman, she was still Ruby. She was still black deep down. Right. And again, just seeing her stand beside him and take that like position like instantly, I just thought it was. I just thought that was a really subtle again one testament to the time and just to who she was. Um, and I, I love the fact that in this moment, you're seeing the juxtaposition racially just for her right. in a few moments, right. go ahead and see the juxtaposition in her, um, her, that the fact that she's still a, a woman. So mm -hmm. therefore no one's really going to listen to you. And you're really right. going to hear that in the next sentence. Right. So she explains the little boy was just trying to help. They pack her up into the cop car. And as she's looking at her skin in the backseat, in, in my mind, I'm realizing in real time, she is seeing her skin as a barrier. Like mm -hmm. in that last moment. Mm -hmm. Wow. I got out of that unscathed. Mm -hmm. This was the barrier. This right? was the barrier. It's why that how insane and, and a barrier to certain types of violence and i don't think she ever realized before but in the same moment she starts realizing that they are taking her to a white neighborhood and you hear her you like listen this white lady did a really good job because she she's like mm -mm, mm -mm. <laughs> and i was like okay I I, the actress the actress that the actress that played i'll give, give, give you that i i, I give you that you could because that because bitch that was me uh, where, oh. the fuck are you taking me? where the fuck are you taking uh, oh, okay. me? Okay. Um, right, absolutely. Your husband's been looking for you. And she mm -hmm. says, no, that's not my husband. He did something to me. And then they say, the husband didn't mention that you would have a fit with these kids. and delusions and shit uh, like yeah. that. So get her ready. And right. Then she and tries I, to get out the yep. car. And I'm like, damn, they had child lock in the 1950s? <laughs> child lock. Right? Because it's I'm like, she really could I didn't even, I didn't, I didn't even consider, I didn't even consider that. I, I, I didn't even like, consider that. Because you should be able but, to get out, it's the 50. And I put here in what? my notes too, when you were saying, when she, in, in this time, in the, she again, she's looking at her skin like, wow, this was the barrier that got me out pretty much unscathed. But I put here in the, in, in my notes that despite that moment, her whiteness was trumped again by her womanhood. In the instance that they were like, we're, we're right. She, her husband says she has illusions. Don't fucking listen to her. We're taking oh, her back right. to her husband, regardless of whatever the fuck she says. And it's just, and, and Ruby comments on that earlier too. I think I put somewhere here, but she says, um, uh, oh my God, what was it? 
Can't you know what? It. And I, I actually realized in this moment that um, that her whiteness can protect her from the violence of the police, but it would never right. stop her from having violence inflicted upon her by her husband or anything that was intermarital. And then mm -hmm. you have to realize, mm -hmm. man, intermarital mm -hmm. rape wasn't even against the law until the 80s. Damn, was it? Well, it was either the because 70s we could find and have a bank account. So yeah, I, no, that I, yeah, the 70s, I heard about the bank account, but damn, I didn't know an marital rape until the 80s. Yeah, no, like even Whoa. though, even when we think about Lorena Bobbitt, we think of a crazy white lady who cuts somebody's dick off, right? No, <laughs> no, that was a woman defending herself from rape. And I wish you would throw his dick farther. I wish you would put it inside <laughs> of a brick stone. Slug that shit fucking 10, 20 miles. To fillet that hoe and use it <laughs> as burger meat. You don't even understand. Like now that I've not heard your story, bitch, and she was foreign. She was like a white Spanish lady. And she had no papers, so he was really taking advantage of her. And he, oh, didn't think he was going, yeah. to, bro. I, oh, you should have taken more shit away from that man. But it's okay. I mean, anyway, sorry, I hate to digress. My bad. Anyway. No, I love it. I, I like honestly, it's just uh, more, as I would say, more women's wrongs. I support here. But. You know what I mean? I'm just lying. Listen, I'm 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 pro taking somebody dick off. I'm sorry. I mean, listen, um, if you fucking I listen, if you put it, you were put in those types of circumstances. This is why, like, and th I I kind of feel like most times I don't know a little morally gray at times because I'm like, bro, you don't know like. You, oh my God, I can't believe that she would. It's just like, okay, put yourself in that position in that situation and then say, and, and then really say, I would never. I, I don't know. That's where I'm like, I don't know. I feel like if you're in certain situations, like there's a lot of shit you'd be, you'd surprise yourself Listen, at what you would do. At this, at my this is my thought process on it. They're going to throw you in jail for murder if you kill your rapist. So you might as well kill your rapist. You might as well do it. I mean, because I, I'm sorry, I, I would be very okay being in jail for that. <laughs> me I me mean, and honestly. Eileen Wuornos, R.I.P. You <laughs> was a hero. You was a Not hero. With Eileen Wuornos. You was a hero, bitch. I said it anyway. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, and um, the next thing yeah, you know, so. White Ruby is starting to look like on the inside. She is coming apart. We're hearing bones crack. You can hear that she's screaming in pain. And the cops are just like, this must be the condition they mentioned. <laughs> and I was like, did we? Okay. So like, yep, yeah, these must be those fits. <laughs> like, uh, it's supposed to be mental. You don't hear that? Okay. Yeah, like, you don't hear all the bones cracking. <laughs> Okay. Okay. They're like, oh, those fits, and it's just like, ah. Uh. <laughs> See, this, 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 this is why ain't nobody can get no justice. Y'all been terrible from the beginning. Okay. Um, child. So, pretty boy William uh, comes and carries her from the car. And when I say I absolutely love the CGI. Uh, of what they do in the show in reference to all of the characters. The fact that you see Ruby is breaking down on the inside and you mm -hmm. literally see a hand just come underneath <laughs> her skin. And yes, then, yes. Uh, I, I, the I CGI just like, was wild. Yeah, Brava. like it was so, Brava. it was so <laughs> sick like to watch, but like, I just, I loved it. I loved it. It was incredible. No, and I'm I mean, I, I have a note here just in that, like, again, going back to metamorphosis being the, like the, the theme of, this episode um i put here i mean ruby's transformation into a white woman and i put down here to turn into a monster was a monstrous process 
And I almost see it as a comment on what proximity to whiteness costs and what it can turn you into. And that that's all I could think about when I watched that transformation scene, because you start to see Ruby then engage in, you know, not even engage, rather be really see inside how white people operate. Yes. And I think that's why later on we'll see, we'll, we'll get to it. But, uh, mm. you know, she has that freak out with Tamara at the, oh, at the thing. Know. And she was like, they're more fucked up than you. And you will even imagine. Like, yeah. Like, 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 she she never know. It's and I'm crazier like, than Ruby. you fucking Ruby. think. Yeah. Hillary like, Davenport. You're supposed to be Hillary Davenport. What you doing? Yeah, for, <laughs> I, 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 it's okay. It's okay. We go get to it. Okay. Um, yeah. Now, yeah. he told her to stop fighting, that she's only going to slow the process as she literally breaks apart. Her skin oh, is God, coming yeah. off. And it looks like the most excruciating pain a human being could ever be put through in life. And she starts to crawl across the floor. And he literally drags her back to the plastic, like, no messy, messy. Like, <laughs> to the plastic. But the, the, the I love the plastic on the floor just because it shows how fucking premeditated all of this all, is. It's all, just like... like Everything, everything. And this is where I'm like, yo, Christina, I don't recall being so such a calculated, like mastermind, like puppeteer, like. Oh, listen, the one thing that we can say is that she was smarter than all of them. Whoever started the the uh, the, the papers the, of Adam, whatever, whatever all these old yeah. ass white niggas, listen, Christina would have come in with the hammer. Like she would have put you under the ovaries on that shit. Like I'm not like- I'm is, trying, bro. <laughs> it, it, it is like, like we, we not about to go ahead and play in Christina's face. You still an evil white bitch. No, but it's you, true. But you way better. But but like I mean, you're I, like more evil. She, I mean, like she would, when she kept when she kept saying she's better than these men. Like she really was. Like she was right though. Like I mean, she was. Like honestly, out of all the all the white men players, Christina was playing the fucking Game of Thrones the best. Like oh, yeah. like no, they were playing checkers. Christina was out there playing chess. Like she was honestly, playing Mancala. Look at <laughs> what did, did you see? What I'm saying? Did, I don't. We don't. We don't know what this playing Mancala. <laughs> that's not Mancala. I don't know what she's this up there. We got about shake up. Are we, we showing our age right now? I don't like. <laughs> I think we just showed our age with Mancala. <laughs> it's okay, y'all know it's it. Okay. Listen, we we not twenty one. Fuck you. Listen, no, I mean that. I can tell you. I mean that's. The, I hope you don't think we're twenty one. But <laughs> if we are, then we then we should have some other issues going on. But it's okay. Uh, <laughs> so, um, right. so. He literally takes a butcher knife and fillets her down the middle and she, you start pulling her apart until we can finally see the actual Ruby. And then we flip to Montrose. That was a brutal ass. Like, I forgot how brutal that was. I was like, yo, this was, this is some sick yo, shit. And I loved it. You see, <laughs> I see like, guy this is dark. This is some you, dark shit. Where where y'all graduate from? Where they do that at? Because <laughs> I don't know, but this is why this is these are one of the things that honestly I really enjoyed seeing and love, not just dark fantasy, like a black dark fantasy sci-fi. Like that is just right up my fucking alley because like I feel like this is one of those instances where we don't get to see a lot of that. And just off record here, not off record, but just really quickly here, I think on record. So remember, we need to do this. 
but uh, there's a documentary that I do want to review. So um, it's called, I believe it's called Film Noir. And it's um, all of Black horror examined and Black people within horror, like as horror has unfolded as a genre in, in film. And uh, I do want to, re- no, I do want to review that that one because there's a, a lot. Of, that's literally. Uh, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's why I'm, I'm putting it out here right now. So everybody expect that episode at some point. I'm saying it here so we don't forget collectively. But go. So we flipped to Montrose who was looking at his bloody hands. And I'm not even gonna lie to you. I am so upset that he killed that indigenous person. I think your name, uh, yeah, Yahamika, I think her name was. I, I put it here somewhere, uh, I'd have to. Yeah, I, I, but the indigenous person that they have, like I yes. was thinking, <laughs> my goodness, we even said in the last episode, there could have been a whole role for, uh, for, for them that could have been played out uh, that we just never got to get because Montrose is a monster. Um, so, um, I, like Atticus and Letty walk up to Montrose's apartment and ask uh, where Yahamika is at. I sort of think her name is. Um, and he says, she went on home. And as soon as he says that, Tig says, and the pages of Adam, Montrose doesn't answer, and we just see the whole thing all No, over. listen, like I literally wrote here in my notes, I says, I, I I says this is what I I, I put the way Tick beats the brakes off Montrose. Right, Let me tell you something. Let me let me tell you something. Atticus, when I say Atticus went in and there was no stopping him, it and- was like he was a much like it was why I mean, but I think you really saw in that moment the brutality of war too. Because remember, Tick just got back from fighting. Yeah, and the way he beat. The shit out of out of Montrose was on some like soldier, like I'm gonna like that's like, why I'm gonna destroy you type. Right, shit. right, and, right, and, right. And let me tell you something. Um, and there and there has to be some type of good in Montrose because had it be had it have been me, um, and just the relationship with my own father, nobody would have been able to stop me. Oh, no, absolutely. That's why when Letty asks him, you know, uh, do you think you would have killed him? And he says, I thought about it enough times. Yes. Like, yes. and basically uh-huh. like, yes, actually, yes. Like, and even that's why I, that moment, I love, that's a moment we'll get to later, but the vulnerability between Tick and Letty in that scene, I really did enjoy it seeing. Is, it, is, it is very, it is very beautiful. I I, I really enjoyed seeing that. Yeah, that. yeah, I did. The actor, yes. It. Um, that I think from a lot of black men that we, especially right. straight black men, that right. we see right. more right. often. Um, right. But then, of course, uh, my own thoughts come to be like, girl, don't pay attention to tears for too much longer because <laughs> they cry when they get found out too. But okay. I mean, <laughs> no, um, listen, let me tell you something right now. Men are really the only ones, creatures I have seen that really will just sit there and have like Booger Snot, Viola Davis, ah! Academy Award performing, crying, and still be lying. Like, I'm the fucking kids like, crazy. What? Like, I'm like, I yo. Seen, like, like, I was just like, so there's scratches on your back, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And they're still lying. It's just like, yo, where, 
what I like is Hollywood why like you should submit this as a real like this was like, like no, this was really good like, <laughs> like the like, wow, not right Michael really Ely good. you yeah. you you wow. know yeah like wow that was it. really good like I was like the boogers and everything I was like wow I've been no I've been, like, I didn't even know you had fluid and reserve just to lie <laughs> to people that's crazy <laughs> instantly the booger just not like let me stop. Anyway, I'm I'm putting my own trauma in here. Let me stop. Oh no, no, no! <laughs> but like, I mean, I I feel it's all relevant. I feel like it's all relevant, though. So, at this point, remember, like, uh, finally, uh, Letty gets other people to come and pull Tick off of Montrose. Tick is like, "Get up the fuck off me!" Like there was like a hop and jump. That nigga was mid air for a second while he was telling these niggas to get off of him, and I'm just like, Jesus. And he and runs down of... the basement and he starts yelling, Letty, did you take pictures of Adam's pages? Did you take pictures? And then he's like, if you take pictures, you got to tell me. And he runs over to Letty and you see Letty's face. The way I... Go ahead, go ahead, because I have it. Go ahead, go ahead. You see, you see Letty's face, and then the way he lo tick looks at her and looks down and finally storms off, and you see her gripping the shit out of this bed. I'm like, good motherfucking girl. Let me tell you something. Like, yo, that scene, that fucking scene. I was like, oh, Letty. I was like, the way, like that was. I, I, oh my god. Like, this, let's talk about the acting that's been at play here, like wow. these last few scenes. Like yeah. these, the the level of intensity of the of this acting here has been just out of fucking control. Like it, it's the way Letty was looking at him and she held it down, I thought she was just glaring at him and they set it up that way, the camera. Yes. And then you just see Tick storm off and then you see Letty still looking hard as fuck, but then we slowly pan down and we see she's gripping that bat. And I was like, oh man, I was like, Tick, Tick even, even, and, and think about that, Tick, even at the height of his rage right now, he looked at Letty with that bat and he, he said, like, nah. nah. <laughs> nah. Nah, nah. 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 <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna just, I'm gonna just walk away like somebody broke my toy, right. because I really feel. Because let me tell you something, if Tick was to really go off, I, and I'm sorry, and this is the way every woman has to feel. That's another thing about uh, interpersonal violence. Even though Tick was not being violent towards her, she is is actually seeing the violence in display. And I cannot tell you how absolutely horrifying it is to see someone you love in a place where you know you cannot reach them. I mean, I'm just gonna be completely real with the audience. I mean, not just with our audience, but I mean, just with you as well. This episode really made me reflect on myself a lot because mm -hmm. my anger is something that I've gotten a lot better of control over. But I have been in toxic and volatile relationships where that anger, I lost myself in. And I did have loved ones around me that, you know, saw me in a place where I was unreachable. Mm -hmm. And I hated letting myself get there. You know, I mean, <clears throat> I would never hurt anybody. You know, it was a lot of screaming and, you know, destroying things around myself, you know, like in my environment. And I saw myself and Tick in that moment, but most importantly, I saw the people that I put in those situations in Letty in that moment. Mm -hmm. And honestly, that really like... Uh, reflection. That, yeah, that level of reflection I did <laughs> on that one. I was like, man, that's, that is scary to see. And then metamorphosis, right? Because although, I mean, Tick is, 
I maybe it's because I relate to taking a lot of his frustrations, but the rage I feel like was was justified that he felt. But look at what it turned him into in the process mm -hmm. of that, you know, that rage. It transformed him into into a monster in that moment. You know, he yeah, almost killed this he almost killed his father. Yeah. And <laughs> you know, and uh, no, go ahead. Thing, go ahead. I, I was also gonna say, and this is the thing as well, I think a lot of what we saw was Tick actually, like all of the pain that had been inflicted on him yeah. by Montrose was 100% coming out full out in that moment. And we've mm -hmm. seen him stop himself before um, because even that uh, episode where Montrose, you know, banged on the table, you saw Tick decide to go leave instead, instead of actually um, going at uh, Montrose violently. But in this situation, I feel like there was just no stopping it. There was no mm -mm. stopping it. No, it was, um, it, that was that, Tick realizing that he killed that indigenous person and and then just the the destruction of, of what they just almost died trying to get, that mm. he just, I mean, this is why I'm saying, I was like, I'm not, I'm not justifying killing, you know, uh, patricide. You yeah. know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not calling the patricide you know of anybody but you know it's just like that rage that tick felt i really felt that and i really understood it and <clears throat> i mean this is this this is why i feel like this episode really just went i didn't expect for it to to touch me in all these different types of like ways and elements oh. particularly with tick and his anger yeah um and <clears throat> putting people in places like that where they have to handle somebody and there's a scene where uh tick grabs letty and he says please don't go and i saw myself again in that moment in those moments where it's just like you just lose yourself in this anger and you realize what you've done and it's like you realize how horrible everything you did was and i saw that regret reflected in tick Mm -hmm. and still just kind of it's just like ah oh, but please don't let me go because it's like tick's not a bad guy it's just yeah. he has a lot of anger but for with with right though like i mean it's again but it's reason. just but yes with reason control. but the execution right it's the execution. dangerous it's dangerous and, it's dangerous and i feel like i've i've i was kind of feeling on the opposite <clears throat> side um i especially as a, a black woman i don't think mm -hmm. i've ever felt very comfortable releasing any kind of anger um, in a public way. Um, right. There's always been very private instances where the only right. people are around are my cats. You feel me? <laughs> so so for me, watching um, Tick explode, I kind of had a juxtaposition of emotions. And the first thing was jealousy. Mm. I was Tell me so about that. jealous <laughs> of mm. the fact that he didn't need the gunpowder. He didn't even need the trigger. It was just go. And mm. I cannot tell you, especially having the experience that I've had with my father and how, what a violent relationship that was. Mm -hmm. I cannot tell you how many times where I just thought to myself, you could end it right now. Mm. No one else has to ever go through this again. And I always um, attributed that my not doing it to cowardice. Mm. Uh, for a really long time. 
And then the other feeling that I, I had um, other than after the jealousy was how often I have been the person to reel somebody else back in who's gone too far. And I thought to myself, there's no real help for Tick. He may not be a bad guy, but there's no actual help for him. So it's yeah. going to be up to Letty to do the emotional labor for the duration of their relationship, mm -hmm. because that's never going to get fixed. There's no help for a Black man in the 1950s for any mental issues that they may have. So now it's just going to be up to you to take it on. And how often I felt like I've had to do that, where I'm just like, hey, listen, they may be angry, they may be upset, and they may be putting this on me in a way that they don't want to, but it's okay because I know them better. And in that way, I ended up putting up with a lot of abuse. Mm -hmm. So I was in a very, like, crazy space <laughs> when no. I was... When I was actually watching this go on, it was it was crazy um, how we both felt so many different things for this one particular scene. Yeah, no, wow. I mean, even just listening to you talk is, it's therapeutic for me in, in, in many ways because it's like I'm hearing things from people I've heard in moments like that, that, you know, I have I haven't heard. You know, so hearing that side and that perspective just makes me reflect on myself back then, you know, mm -hmm. and I mean, back then, I mean, I mean, shit, I, this is when I was like, what, 2021? I mean, I'm about to be there. I'm going to be 30 this year. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like, that was a long time ago, but like, I still, you know, hold my actions accountable even then. And I mean, I do reflect on them and I mean, just listening to you say those things, it, it's things brought into perspective that I've never had uh, before. So, I mean. This is why we have this. This is why we This is why we got this, I exactly. I, I never <laughs> thought to myself that I would have been watching this and kind of going through these emotions because the first time Me I neither. watched it, right. I didn't, I didn't have, like I obviously felt all the feelings because it's a great show. Yeah. But being that I'm here breaking it down in such a way, I had no choice but to almost dissect my own emotions, which I feel like any good show is going to cause you to do. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Know? Any good show is going to make you do that. Anything well-written is going to make you do that. And, and that's just one of the, look, look at how deep we went into here. Just on this <laughs> one scene, like, one scene, maybe two scenes of Tick and Letty like sorting out this kind of anger thing, but uh, just everything that that brought about. Like, I mean, that's how well written this scene, this this show fucking is. Like, it's Again, just, I, I, it's really too real. It's, it's too real. Like, yes, because we're still even uh, now taking pieces of it and and like looking and defining our our own lens through mm -hmm. the show, which is really mm -hmm. what it what it's all about. Yeah, absolutely. So, we flip back to Ruby, back to her chocolatey deliciousness is laying in bed. <laughs> in my mind, I'm trying to figure out how life works anymore because <laughs> what the fuck just happened? So William walks in, takes off his towel, and I realize after he puts on his underwear, Jesus, them pants empty. That that is that is a that is a condition <laughs> that we call in the black community. We call that long back. <laughs> Because it looked like he could roll a quarter off his shoulder and would roll off his heel unobstructed. Right? That's not long, back. 
you know, him and Taylor Swift and stuff. It's a, the, the, you gotta look at that. Nah, like, that's that's you know, uh... so, so spoiler alert. Um, and, and I think we said in the last episode, but you've if you've watched uh if you're watching us, you've watched the show. So uh now spoiler alert, if you didn't know before, you're gonna find out later that Christina is really William and William is Christina. Uh and so he has this monologue saying how he uh wanted to apply the ability of metamorphosis and um apply it to humans. And then he was laughed at out of academic society, and then he happened upon a disgraced professor named Hiram Epstein. Yes. We all know was the demon that Letty had to ex exercise out of In episode three, right. And <laughs> also the scientist who was basically cutting on black people for fun and calling it science. Yes. And um, this is just one of the moments where I have to call out the people who think that Christina really had any type of love for Ruby because you don't have love for somebody and then think it's okay that you work with somebody who literally made his living taking pieces off of people that look like you. Right. <laughs> this is why I laugh again. I'm laughing because it's like, bro, the people who argue that Christina loved uh, loved Ruby in any capacity. It's like, are you okay? Well, I mean, like, it's like, go I, ahead. I was gonna say, I think it's because, because even I at first, because you are so not used to seeing a dark skinned black woman, especially a voluptuous one, mm. be loved with uh, unabashedly mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so because you don't see it a lot of your knee-jerk reactions would be like i want it to be real i get that yeah you're and right. i think and i think I, at least for the black women who were saying that and i just want yeah. to like, boo <laughs> I, I I know you decided to date uh, somebody named Connor because you saw this and you thought it was going to be a good idea, right? I'm just letting you know that's not what that means. No, that was definitely. Sex. That was that that looked like good sex. They was licking blood off each other. I didn't even know I was into that. Did I watch the show? I was like, right, right. It's like new Kim Kardashian, but it's like <laughs> I was like, okay, I guess I gotta do some research. But no, right? I, it's just I, like, like hold on, let me look into this though. <laughs> but but at the end of the day, I feel like a, a lot of it was um, really holding on to hope that a true love could be. Uh, projected towards a dark-skinned, voluptuous Black woman. And I feel yeah. like sometimes that's what we're holding on to. But just yeah. like you said, be fucking for real. Just I don't be know fucking for real, want. though. Like, I mean, honestly, because, it's, again, you got to look at it. And this, this I think, has... We'll take it even a, a step deeper here. And I think people's failure... And this is not a personal talk on anybody who has attacked... Anybody who has, uh, like, worked to unpack this yet... But failure to recognize a relationship in which you are being manipulated. Mm. And this is where, I mean, I came, I mean, I'm sure, I mean, as we know, Sid and I come from backgrounds of master manipulators and mindfuckers of the first degree. <laughs> so when we see manipulation on screen, it's like, uh, we already know what that looks like. So, I mean, I, I guess taking it back, I guess I do, I can see why people, again, who maybe, right, who want to see it, and that's part of falling for the manipulation, is you want to see and you want to believe, and the predator is praying and banking off of that, that you do, and that's how those things are able to happen. So that's how I feel about the relationship dynamic between Christine and Ruby, which I have a note about, 
where I where I I re- I think it really drives home what Christina sees Ruby as, but we'll get to that. I had uh, two notes here. One of the things Ruby asks is, "Did I die to turn into that white woman?" And one, I have that written down too. I fucking fell out when she said that. But two, let's unpack that because mm, considering mm. what we later start to see, Ruby, she kind of does die. You know, like you kind of do have to die to assimilate into this this person or at least so, break down right it has right. to be a breakdown there has right. a, a breakdown said, a destruction and i don't know if we said it on right. this podcast, podcast <laughs> but we only said it to each other but a lot of times assimilation to whiteness is erasure is erasure right so the fact that she asked did i die to turn into that white woman i felt like that was just such a loaded and just again to the fucking writing of the show because again, the foreshadowing and and just the the layeredness to just that one simple fucking question, I thought was incredible. Um, and the other thing that I pointed out here is where Ruby says, where she was having her absolute meltdown in the middle of the street, and she says, "I could." She was like, "I was crazed. I was like crazy. I was walking around. I was screaming and raving, and people were scared for me. They weren't scared of me." And then that's when Christina, who we now we later learned is William, but you know says you know, uh, you they saw you as a human being, mm-hmm. and just that was, I mean, fuck, like it, it, just even just that small, not even small, like just such a a change and just again the armor that she had on, right, totally mm-hmm. changed what that experience would have been. I mean, look what happened to the poor little black boy that that she just ran, she ran into him as we saw, and what happened? The the fucking police rolled in hard as fuck and were ready, ready, to, ready, ready to dispose brutality in that fucking like oh, instantly that, in that second. Take that boy's life without even a second thought. Absolutely, without Had even a second thought. Even looked wrong. Right, even right, right. Right. And to grow up in that time, I mean, to live in a time, like, I mean, it still, it still happens. Like, what the fuck am I even saying? What the fuck am I even saying? Listen to me. Yeah. It's still it's still happening. It's still happening. And that is what, it makes this so relevant because it's like, the more things change, the more they stay the same, huh? And that's all I could think watching, not even all I think, one of the things that I thought just uh, when I watched that scene. But Listen, you know. I... I... And and you know what? I can honestly say that, especially uh, the last thing I'm going to say about the 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 Ruby and Christina thing, because I feel like even even though I didn't get very far in the episode where I realized Christina was just terrible, I hate (laughs) the fact that I initially was that I was initially almost fooled by the the passion and the. That, that somehow equaled some kind of love and care. And mm. I feel like that also equals out so much to what a lot of women go through. Um, even though there's a lot of women out here who are fucking and not giving a fuck and telling your ass to go home. Just so you know, mm. they are out there. But I feel like a lot of women, especially because we've been so indoctrinated to believe that only men are able to do that. And we need to have some kind of um, connection with the people that we fuck. I was thinking like how, how crazy it is that you will go ahead and take that passion and that thing and be like, I think that he loves me. Like you'll turn it into that. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, damn, mm-hmm. you do that shit with everything. So anyway, mm-hmm. I just wanted to, to put that out there. Um, mm-hmm. And then also she was, um, 
just like she said, she was talking about the situation where um, she realized that they were scared for her. Um, and she lets on that the transformation was so painful that it would it was like being a maid and there wasn't going to be a second time. And then um, she asked mm -hmm. if she was free to go. And he says, you can do whatever you please. And he puts the elixir right beside a pile of money and leaves on uh, and leaves and leaves it right there on the nightstand and just bounces like out of boomerang. I was like, did you really put the money on the <laughs> nightstand and bounce? What the fuck? I was like, well, shit. I was like, I hope, I hope, I, listen, I hope that dick was good, Ruby. But because um, <laughs> that that felt disrespectful. I'm sorry. Uh, but he's just a little, just a little bit. But I mean, uh, no. like, and, and that's what, yeah, no, I mean, but that's also the subtle. This, it's also that's what I mean. Those are the subtle things where I'm like, he's really showing you too at the same time, or Christina's really showing. It's like this is not a romantic transaction like this is a, a purely selfish it's a it's a transaction this is not a romantic this is not a romantic affair this is a transaction there you go and, and and that's what's that's what's happening which christina uses this lingo similar later on which we'll we'll break down you know uh, to it Let's so start. uh the next scene opens up at that point where we see ruby decides to live her best white woman life that day and um uh, she's walking in what i can only call his funeral chic <laughs> um and uh, <laughs> he was giving princess diana like when she wore the revenge dress <laughs> i was like, uh, uh, I was like okay woman. you know what i'm saying i was just like okay all right she really did that okay all right all right and what's interesting is they're playing an excerpt um by and uh i do not want to butcher this name or disrespect this name at all uh but from as i'm reading it it looks like nisoza k shanje uh, and it's from a piece called For Colored Girls Who Have Considered Suicide or sometimes called uh, When the Rainbow is Enough. Uh, and it's a poem that plays in the beginning. The particular poem that plays, I guess, in this book is called uh, Dark Phases. And it was released in 1976 in something called For Colored Girls, which was a choreo poem that uh, Shanjay created to describe a combo of techniques like dance and poetry. Um, and that's why it kind of has like that really interesting melodic uh, flow that's playing. But anyway, the, the fact that they chose that piece to play, and as we know, uh, she says, sing the song of a Black woman. So she's singing about the experiences of being a Black woman. But yeah, it's I'm as she's living the life as a white woman inside with a Not black having woman to pay for your like, ice cream. Yes. Just like, moving out the fucking way like you Moses genius. and shit. Like you don't got to do nothing. Then she was brilliant. It was brilliant. It was the, the, the juxtaposition of the audience yes, versus yes, the, uh, the visual lapse we were seeing was just right. It was brilliant. It was brilliant. It was like when they. It was like I believe it was episode one when they played um, the American Dream for the American Negro, and um, we're seeing the visuals juxtaposed with what um, what oh Tipletti and uh, uh, George were going through, driving through this town over the audio of who was the, the monkeys was the, uh, and shit, just throwing banana peels at them. Like, yes, yes, monkeys? yes. Meanwhile, we're playing we that about audio. the American dream of the Negro. I was just right. like, uh, right. this is what it turned out to be. That was another one of those moments, and I think the producers love doing this because they did that again at the end with the song that they chose for Montrose when he's um and our closing scene at that drag uh at like that drag like underground bar um where the song is saying i'm so lonely i'm so lonely but yet he's surrounded by all of his people but he feels lonely because he's choosing self-isolation 
but we'll 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 get into that we, part we, later we, on. Yeah, no, but that's just an example of the music just being fucking just brilliant. Uh, brilliant. So later on, um, we switch back to uh, William and and Ruby. Ruby is sitting soaking in a tub, singing with that beautiful bravado voice of hers. <laughs> yes, uh, like I'm just tub. like you just sound like a fucking bluebird, bitch. You bluebird, <laughs> like my god. Uh, I just you ah oh, I love her. Anyway. No, I loved it. No, yes, um, absolutely. And she um is sitting in the tub, and I think this is one of those moments where I I probably got distracted because of the care that it feels like William is taking with her. So she uh, uh, do you see? I feel like this is one of the scenes. Uh-huh. Um, and and it's she sits up and he starts to wash her back, but just like the manipulation, he tells I- her. I ha- you're gonna have to do me a favor. Right, I'm doing this nice, you see all this nice things? Now, by the way, I need a favor. I need you to and, do it right now. And that's why I was like, and there it is. There's the transaction. There the lies trans- the rub, as we say. Right, there, right, right, <laughs> right, right. And I believe that's where Ruby delivers that line. You know, he asked her about her, you know, she didn't, he comments he didn't spend any of the money. She didn't spend right. any of the money. She says, I enjoyed my entire day using the only currency that I need, whiteness. And And she talks about how she's usually very happy to be both colored and a woman. And uh, she doesn't even know which one is harder, but that she is constantly being interrupted and she's tired of it. And it reminds me of what Bell Hooks said, the one thing about racism is that it wastes your time. Yeah. (laughs) And and, and it was just like, she, like just just to want to be un just uninterrupted and then as soon as he says what is next for ruby uninterrupted we of course hear money so because oh God, listen first of all first of all <laughs> the fact that we opened up with cardi b aka our dominican queen listen Bentali, Mareli, Almansal, because that is uh, aka cardi b the fact that they chose money over she that. always said she was a black woman. Kiss my pussy. <laughs> I mean, because she, I mean, but Cardi B is though. I mean, what, I, I don't know. What, what else is she? But that's what I'm saying. Like the fact that there's even any arguments around that is just, it, it's, it, it's wild, but that's, it's neither here nor there. Uh, no, go ahead. no, I want to go there for a no, second. Okay, all right, you know what? Let's go. Let's let fuck it. Let's go for it. Let's go Just for, for it. a second. Because what bothers me is is that uh, me saying that um our Cardi B is uh, uncategorically a black woman she does not is. mean that she does not have uh light skin privilege. It does oh, absolutely. not mean that she was not that her her uh just for her, myself absolutely just, just her catapulting into the stratosphere as a uh, as a ghetto black woman. Mm. would never have been what it was if she looked like me. And that's the truth. We can go ahead and say both things. It's true, though. Walk and chew gum, people. Walk and chew fucking gum. That's all I ask. It's true, though. This this No, but it's true. But, you know, I mean, let's, let's, let's fucking unpack it at this point. I mean, that is an example of what we talk about with intersectionality. Because it's the same thing with myself. I mean, you know, Cardi B would be uh, trigueño. You know, like that's that's what most Latin people would call people like me and Cardi B, which just really means light skin. And that in of itself, it's like you can be black, but also acknowledge the fact that yes, Cardi B does have light skin privilege, um, featureism privileges. You know, it's just and so again, like you said, we can walk and chew gum at the same time. I mean, so and Cardi B is also Caribbean. She's Dominican, like myself. So I mean the fact that the black countries. I'm sorry. Right, they are though. You're no, a black they are country. Them. You may not want to admit it. 
<laughs> Especially since all the black Cubans happen to be in Cuba. You know what? I'm diverting. No, anyway. I mean it's it's true. Though. I mean most of the Caribbean, most of the Caribbean is though. I mean when you, when you look at who's who's there in our countries, and at most, at best, nine times out of ten, we're mixed. We're already mixed with black. So it's just like so. If you already want to, if whatever the scale of blackness you want to use to decipher, either way, we're either mixed with black or, or just black. Like in the Caribbean, you know, a lot of us here in the Caribbean. So I mean, like, if you never heard them speak, what would you like? I just, I just really hate the 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 cognitive dissonance because sure. there is a, because and also there's also a space to realize that a lot of Dominicans will not claim that they are black. And I understand why you decide to say, well, if you don't think you're black, then I don't think you're black. So I completely and totally understand that sentiment. But at the end of the day, the ones who've actually read a book know that they're black. Oh, absolutely, we do. But, you know, the thing is, is that and I can't we've, we've talked about this before off record. Mm -hmm. But I mean, we also spent a lot of times. And again, even myself at some point, once upon a time, I also drink the Kool-Aid of separating ourselves from, you know, I guess what we would consider American black people. Mm -hmm. um, so, and no matter, so, because again, you're, you're, we saw ourselves as Latino where, you know, it's like we created a, we created a separateness. So now, I mean, I kind of do understand the pushback with uh, the rest of the black community or, or the rest of the diaspora with Dominicans basically trying to come to the table now. Uh, I get it. I do because again, for the most part, a lot for a lot a lot of us, especially Caribbean Latinos, Cubans, Dominicans, Puerto Ricans, uh, we had spent a lot of the time separating ourselves from that. Um, so I, I understand the pushback too. At the same time, like I can't even be like, oh my god, like I'm a victim here. It's just like, no, I listen. I get it. I get it. But you know, we also have to be able to understand the difference between <laughs> ethnicity, race, and culture. Like all of these things are different. And, and it's okay that they're different and they can right. be black with all of those things. To with be all different. of those things, right. With all of and, those things. To and be at the end of the day, Tony just another waffle color Negro. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's all I'm trying to say. That's really Listen, all I'm trying to say. I've, I've added <laughs> waffle colored to my regular just red, like vocabulary. Like I don't refer to myself as waffle colored. It's kind of It's kind of growing on me. <laughs> yeah, my favorite wooden spoon. You feel me? No, let me stop. <laughs> let me stop. Listen, I'll be, I'll be. Listen, I'll be the wooden spoon friend. It's fine. We are. I got problems. It's okay. Don't cancel <laughs> me. Anyway, so um, she, like I said, she's walking into Marshall Fields, and Nick, if you've been watching. That's all we even talking about is Marshall Fields. Like she just like one day she's gonna well, get Marshall Fields. Yeah, no, I don't want to cut you off real quick, but I actually wrote, <laughs> actually wrote here, Cardi B's money plays as you see the Ministry of Marshalls because that's what that <laughs> shit fucking looks like. <laughs> like, why does this look like the outlet Marshalls at the Ministry of Magic? Like, like no, what is this? The I thought of it was, and I thought it was funny because I, what I said was. Um, yeah, she goes in because to Marshallfields because now she has the right skin to have that job. And as Ooh. I walk in, I will say this for White Lady Ruby: she was really killing <laughs> with that red. Ruby. Oh no, she really, no, she really was. She was really, really killing that, that that That's why and I wasn't that mad when I saw the actress. I was like, listen, that actress. I mean, it would have was not the actress I, I imagined, but you know what? She really fucking did that because, no. like, the way she mirrored uh, Ruby's mannerisms. And just like a lot of the things, I was like, she really like she was I'm like, actually I might really, really good. even in the dancing scene. I was like, I'm not even with the dance. I was I like, I have to look up your name because yeah. <laughs> I've never really thought of doing it before. But I might, yeah, have, to yeah. look you up. I might have to, might have to look you up. I, I don't know. 
I don't know, but that's how I felt about that actress. Like she, was, she actually really listen, did that. Because as upset as I was initially, because I was just like, "This is what you give Ruby," but like, if you give Ruby a be a racist for the rest of the show. <laughs> but, but I'm not. I'm, I'm not gonna lie. Whoever plays this bitch, she. You know what? You did a good job. Because I hate you, huh? I also no, absolutely. But I also want to again just kind of uh, peel a layer back, like in a in a in a, and like I guess a more not a more. I guess I'm going to and peel this layer back more, I guess you could say. Mm. And it's the fact that Ruby is using her, we're looking at Ruby using whiteness, right? Like she's physically this thing. But I also think it's the thing that happens when we as uh, Black people color and, and other people of color try to put ourselves uh, in assimilation or proximity to whiteness, mm. that you have to be a bystander now at, at the least to of the racism of other white people around you you have to kind of put you have to put hide that part of yourself right and that's what it made me think about seeing ruby like not she's now basically essentially it's a physical manifestation of of what's happening inside or what's going on inside and and that's that's something that because i mean i've been there many times i mean especially just uh, uh, i mean <laughs> i mean growing up in miami and then you know just having white friends too it's just like there's always a, I was always a weirdness with it. You know what I mean? At least with me, it's like, I, I wanted at some point that proximity and I allowed like the black jokes. I allowed the Hispanic jokes. I allowed all of the racist jokes. I allowed all of, all of those things mm -hmm. just because I wanted proximity once upon a time to, to that thing, you know? And no, go ahead. No, I was going to say, and I also feel like a lot of black and brown people in general have realize at some point or another they have been tokenized the tokenization uh, the is one. right is exactly right you know, you're the good you're one the, you're the, the you, right you speak right, well you're right. eloquent i can bring right. my family right. won't embarrass right. me whatever right. this may be and right. i just want people to understand um i feel like we should honestly have a support club uh, for, <laughs> I mean, shit. no, I'm I'm not even joking. For people who previously used to be tokens, for because, former tokens, yeah, because absolutely. we, because uh, like, like even on fucking South Park, a nigga named Token. Token. What are we? What are we that should be the group chat icon. It should just be. Oh, a picture Token. I, I, listen, that's going to be the whole page for the Facebook page, you know, when we find yeah, it's just token. No, because and the thing about it is, yeah. it's like it's so easy to especially when you've been taught even though your family doesn't tell you that you should be ashamed of yourself but they put you right. in spaces where yourself is not enough your right. spirits are not enough and right. that you have to assimilate in order to be taken seriously and they put you in these spaces where you now feel like you have to compete and then when you get home they tell you you have to compete in order to be mm -hmm. a better you in order to be uh to be even looked at as seriously you have to right. be times better right. how many times have we grown up listening to that listening to that and parents? hearing that i remember my mom saying that you got to be better so you don't you have to be try to be the best you can fucking be like better than them. Like you gotta yes, be better. No, you have to be, because whatever job, my mother would tell me straight up uh, when, especially cause you know, this lady is Jamaican. Um, <laughs> she, she would be like, don't go around thinking you're smart. You're not smart. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it was because there were all these white people coming up to us like, oh, you're so eloquent. Cause we're little kids. And we're, and we're starting to let it big our head up. And what she was trying to tell us was you still gonna be a nigga at the end of the day. It's true. It's true. 
It's true. I mean, I remember even hearing that with my mom. I mean, I used to hate it when I was a kid, but she would say, you know, she was like, no matter how good you are, there will always be someone better than you. Always remember that. And I used to hate that shit when I was a kid. I used to be like, wow, like, gee, thanks. Like, but like, I mean, tough love, but she was right though. I mean, she was right because we do have to act that way and move that way. It's just like, we got to be, but it's just like, but. It's a lot of pressure. It's, it's a lot of pressure. Everything, especially when you are the children of immigrants, then you happen to be the black children of immigrants. And well, listen, let me you tell you, know the Nigerians have one upped us every single <laughs> and every single thing. No, absolutely. We, absolutely. Like, we're like, oh, you got to be, don't come home if you are not a nurse or a doctor or some shit. Right. Nigerians, oh, well, you know, I just decided that I was going to get 17 degrees in the last six months. You didn't know. <laughs> no, like, let me tell you what, something. You're yeah, a doctor? Like, Trumping everybody right now. Yo, like, they it, making us like, look bad, and Nigerians be making us look very. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean. Listen, I, they're really doing it right now. So, like, I, I, I. I you I mean, can't really we, say shit, but I was even. But I feel like it's almost in the way where it's like, especially because we have immigrant parents, we have the mark of greatness on us. What they went through in order to come here, you have to be great to make their sacrifice mean something. So you can't just be a fucking person. There was, there's even the the layered, pre another layer of pressure too, which I think is just something to un un unpack really quick with this and not to deviate too much, but the idea of uh, queer perfection. And even as queer people, we're expected to be perfect or sub supersede our peers in something to make up for the fact that we are queer you know so and i remember even you know as it starts to became known even though again i was in a closet made of glass but you know <laughs> a closet nonetheless and you know i remember when you know the the glass closet was finally shattered uh, i remember my mom telling me she was just like she's like you need to make sure that you rise to the fucking top and that you be the absolute very best so that you are, you know, nobody can say anything to you just because you're gay. And I was like, you see, there's that, again, the pressure. Added pressure. The, right, it's like, I know she was trying to be encouraging, but it's like, it's the added pressure of, again, of queer perfection. Mm -hmm. And so I, I kind of see that in this, in this kind of situation here as well, where it's like, yeah, that, that need to, this is why this podcast, I think, is so important to talk about Blackness and queerness on top of that and how these pressures layer on in different ways and in intersectional ways in our lives um, where it's the need to be... I feel like if there's one thing that queerness and, and Blackness share in common, it's the pressure to be the best and and, and perfect. And, you, and you, I think that's what basically Ruby has gone through. Remember, right. Ruby is going, she, she went to go take accounting class at the Frederick Douglass Center. She went uh, ahead and, listen, she was doing everything to put on her resume because uh -huh. she hoped those words in black and white was somehow uh -huh. going to cover the black. <laughs> and it and it doesn't do that and it's so crazy because when she finally gets into this room for the interview he's right. like we're about to get into right now you you should take my job i wrote a note on that i put that in my notes oh get into it please get into i put it. that in my notes no i put i literally have it here i says ruby is glowing after seeing how he raved over her resume like that scene there that i again hats off to the actress 
uh, because the way she played like that inner satisfaction, like it made me emotional because I'm yes. seeing Ruby, right? Yes. And it's like, I'm seeing Ruby receive the validation that she actually is not just good enough. She's overqualified. She is overqualified and she still never was able to land this fucking job. So to see her sitting there and hear this, this man rave over her achievements and her accomplishments, even though she had to do it pretending to be somebody else, it's like it was almost kind of worth it to just even hear that, to hear that kind of like validation. And it sucks because it's like at a it's like it sucks to think about now of 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 white validation, but at a time where they were literally the fucking gatekeepers and you needed them to to validate your credentials to make any type of living for yourself like it was important as much as it fucking sucked as much as it was unfair like that's what it was and to see ruby receive that satisfaction i put that here i i, I that stood out to me immediately i was like i love seeing her glow here of like damn i am good and i'm not even i'm <laughs> overqualified bitch like i'm like, fucking I, overqualified. I, like, I, he's been deserved this and i remember how many times that um when my mom used to go and try and buy a house, my mother mm. internally rents from now on because of her experience. Mm. Um, my mom is an RN, very, very fucking educated lady. Like there's- Of course, there's she's no an RN. <laughs> but there's no, but even as an RN, there's literally no branch of the hospital that she mm. cannot work at. There's just something oh, she's not gonna do. But, right. <laughs> but right, right, well, right. I mean, that's but but it has nothing to do with ability. And my mother over the phone, um, people would think that she may sound kind of English because her white woman voice as a Jamaican lady may sound a little English. I'm not sure. So, um, so every time, and I remember this happened for years, for years. My mother would call to find a place. It would be nearby. She would pack us in the car. We would get there. And I remember specifically one time we got to a house. And I remember thinking to myself, because when I was little, I thought rich people had stairs. And this, so I, <laughs> I just, I was just like, no, I did too, though. Like to me, I was like, little Florida luxury. So like, You're like, oh, was, you got stairs. You're like, like, there's stairs. Like, I was like, oh. Like, this is, so when we roll up to the crib, I'm like, oh, bitch, it's two stories. Like, it's I'm two like, stories. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited. And I remember walking up and my mom tells me to get out the car and go ahead and knock on the door. She's grabbing her purse and things. And I remember when that lady opened the door and she closed it and she said, get the fuck away from my door. <gasps> what? And I remember there wasn't cell phones yet, right? Um, Cause I'm old. And I remember my mom. I mean, even if you did, there was the what a Nokia with snake on it. Like the cell yeah, phones. Yeah, listen. There. If everybody right. used Nokia with the snake on it, you know what's really good. Okay. <laughs> yeah, right. uh, and I remember we knocked on the. She knocked on the door, and the lady also told her to get the fuck away from the door. And then she was like, "I just called about the place," and the lady just closed the thing. So she went home, and she called. Tell me why this woman will uh, said she was like oh I was looking for you. Do you uh, there oh. were like niggers who came up to the <gasps> door. No, she didn't. No, she no she didn't. Damn, are you for real? Yo, like that. And it's oh like, my god, no, like I, I uh, go ahead. Like they're ahead. friends. Like they're friends because remember my mom doesn't sound. I guess the way a black whatever the fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I understand. So when 
Wow. And I realized um, after my this happened to my mom over and over and over, she refuses to even think about buying. I know if she, she's ever gonna own a home, I'm going to have to get it for her because she gave up. Because for at least eight years of my life, she was hitting the paint. And it didn't matter how much money she had, it didn't matter how much credit she had, because of where she wanted to live, it was just no. And so I so I was very triggered during this interview because I was just like, you would never even be in a room with this with a black woman. She wouldn't have even made it inside the building. Yeah. And it and it and, it, and it, I'm not even gonna lie, like it 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 very much fucking triggered me. But to move on, um, she so while this interview is going on, uh, Ruby goes on the soliloquy as she's speaking. She's reminiscing as she tries to blend her made up life with her real one. And mm -hmm. I'm realizing that Letty and and Ruby grew up in a space where they were always seeing uh, their mother only be acquiesced or satisfied by outside resources. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. That they grew up knowing they weren't enough for their mother to be happy with, which is why Ruby thought to herself when she was younger, if I could bring them the kind of happiness that a makeup counter brings to my mother, that I would be satisfied in some way because they're both missing. They're mm -hmm. both missing from that kind of love from their mother. Uh, so I thought that was very interesting. Um, so she obviously gets- I didn't even know. I was gonna say I was just like, yeah, I, I didn't even I didn't even peep that like the the satisfaction of 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 things like like her her mother. It's like her mother was was bought, right? It's just like you had to like give her things in order to like earn that kind of love, and that's a really that's a really uh, really shitty uh, way to come up. I mean, but I mean, even having to feel, but I feel like that's so real. Even just like again with black and, and brown families is the need of love being, the, 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 the idea of love being earned. And although it's like our parents presented at a time of, uh, yeah, it's unconditional, at least in theory, but in practice, so many times you kind of grow up feeling like you have to earn, you know, those good jobs and those I'm proud of you's and those, you have to really feel like you earned those moments. It's like currency. You know, it's like currency. Yeah. It's like emotional currency. It's like emotional currency. That's it. So, yeah. So, I mean, this just translated in a different way of now, obviously it's physical things, but I mean, still, I think the idea carries over the same. I also think it was interesting that with uh, that in mind, which you, I pointed out on the flip, Letty refers to, I'm sorry, um, Ruby refers to herself as an imported good, um, which mm -hmm. I thought was just we're playing off of what you said, but also just to, again, the history of Black people in America. So the fact that she referred to herself as an imported good, I was like, <laughs> that is such a subtle, eloquent, just like, oh, wow. I was like, the writing. So good. I was like, the fucking so writing. I was just like, this, I was like, this is too good. Y'all couldn't the, have this on the air. That's how good it was. Y'all couldn't have. Yeah, this that's on how good the it air. was. Honestly, like that. Oh, damn. Uh, anyway, 
um, at this point, um, like, so she obviously got the job at this point, but now you hear all this bitch's bones start to crack inside her body. <laughs> so you realize, and the Alexa is wearing off, my nigga. Like, you have something to do. And right. she, and I'm like, girl, you better have the Alexa in your purse. Yo, she get up, because she's like, she got to go to the bathroom. She left the Alexa in the fucking chair. So she goes into the service elevator, where I'm sure all of the uh, Black people and service people actually have to exit through. Mm. And she goes into this uh, cement elevator. And you just see her face just start to fall <laughs> off. Yeah, that the the transformation is so brutal and ugly. But again, I like just the the metaphoric aspect, the metaphorical aspect of what's happening there too. Oh, yes. and, and it's like I said, it's like to become a monster, which is how the a certain demographic was at a certain point in time was very monstrous the transformation is equally monstrous it's like you have to there's a it's it's literally physically showing death because you're seeing her fall apart and just die as this new thing comes out you know uh i i, I it's brilliant i mean it's brilliant i i, I thought it was i thought that was incredible I, I, um, I feel like I love the fact that the C, the people who are doing the CGI, it's like you can tell they are very involved in the story. That's how much they care. Mm-hmm. Like that's how, because I feel like it's yeah. coming out because when I say a bitch was disgusted because you know, the eye laying like on the foot, like it's like on her cheek now. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's okay. I don't need that. Do you like, like, but yeah, I do. But you know why the CG, you know why the CGI is so good is because the CGI is part of the story. Mm, It's like the story is reflected in the CGI. And that's what I think just makes it, it, that's what gives it those details that are extra good. Like you see the hands underneath the skin moving and overextending over the fingers and like just the bone structures moving underneath and under the skin. Like it's, it's ugly and it, it's, oh. it's some wicked shit, but I love it. I, I love I, it. I, love, I it. love it. And listen, I'm a big ass baby. Uh, shout out to my best friend, Holly, who had to watch this with me um, because I wasn't watching it by myself yeah. uh, <laughs> the first time around. Um, so now we're gonna go ahead and flip over to uh, Montrose, right? Montrose, yeah. You got Montrose, who's still beat up, obviously. <laughs> I completely closed. He looked fucked up. He looked like he looked like yo, like nigga went to town on your face, like for real, for real. I, absolutely. Um, and then who was there to greet him? None other but Sammy. Sammy. Um, and we're just gonna just gonna take just a second to go ahead and point out what I like to call the Martin Gina complex that we have with a lot of the characters in this show. Um, I love the fact that it is so diverse and we're able to get so much at the same time. I can't help but see the same tropes. I think maybe we said in the first or the second episode, like why wouldn't have been so crazy if Letty and Ruby's characters had switched roles? Yeah, Ruby had been the one and the object of this uh, beautiful black man's desire, um, but that's not something that we see, is it? Um, no, it's not. And and this is nothing against the writing or how they made up the show, but we also can't pretend this is not something that we notice on a regular basis. This is like, real life now, right? So this is where we, we kind of touched on this, I think, in the first episode. We got kind of meta with just the casting, right? It's like, well, who is the love interest to Tick who's dark-skinned? Well, it's going to be uh, uh, the uh, Journey, Journey Smollett, right? Mm-hmm. 
Journey, yeah, Journey Smollett, uh, who's very, very fair skinned. So it's just like, I mean, we're seeing that again, just reflected in now Mon, um, Montrose and Sammy, yes. which again, Montrose is supposed to be the masculine dominant one, right? And he's dark skinned. And then Sammy is his, his you know, his little bottom there, you know? <laughs> you know, very, like, you know maybe his power bottom. Don't disrespect Sammy. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying? But uh and and also outright effeminate because we see later on sammy dresses in drag so mm -hmm. sammy's very uh in tune with a side of himself you know that femininity that montrose uh, never that, well montrose does not know let me not say does that. not know up to this <laughs> point oh i just want to flash forward really quick before we get to this but there's a scene where uh uh oh my god where Ruby, there we go, I'm sorry. Where Ruby is uh, talking with uh, Tamara and uh, she's kind of like snapping at Oh, her. listen, yes, let 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 us but, talk about it. But the way she ends that scene and she says, she puts the lotion and she's like, your hands are a bit ashy. And I was, I was like, like, not the ashy. <laughs> I was like, you're gonna let on that you're black if you keep this shit up. Like you're like, gonna, you're gonna let her know. That's how like, I feel. Like, gonna like, know, and like, and I feel like I feel like the the one thing that I really want to yeah. touch on that dynamic in reference to Tamara and Ruby was the fact that um, Ruby, when she first met Tamara after listening to her, did not really did not think that she deserved to be there. Yes, yeah, she felt she was under she felt she was underqualified, <laughs> and I actually wrote that in the note here. I said, let's talk about that because let's talk about why. Um, and mm. uh, Sid, thoughts? Because, I mean, for me, as I saw it, if we're breaking it down here, it's mm. assumed, if I remember or recall correctly, um, Ruby has applied to work at the Ministry of Marshals many times already. Mm -hmm. And that's why she kept, like, working on her resume. But then this girl, underqualified on a whim, got it. But looking at it, I feel uh, Tamara physically looks like the type of people that they have working at this marshals so if, okay all right so we're on the same page okay because i'm like because that's what i was that's how because, i felt about um, it right ruby is not only dark-skinned but she is not a skinny woman right and especially right. in the age that we're going in that was the only body type um, mm -hmm. and they're, they're still going by BMI, which we still go by today, which by the way, the creator of it was a eugenicist and a racist, but okay, do you, um, go off, right? <laughs> go off. But, um, but again, that doesn't have any bearing. This is society. This is the way you're supposed to look. And Marshall Fields is not a space, uh, even though it's just fucking Marshalls and TJ Maxx now, the but Marshalls. Uh, is not a, a space, Marshall Fields was not a space where you would be able to have, you couldn't be big and black. Right. That's basically what it boils down to. And then mm -hmm. she's realizing that this person, she's, and I don't know if she's realizing the fat phobia of it all in that moment, but I, she's yeah. realizing that she's got a seventh grade education. And mm -hmm. when, and, and she's to the point where she's like, oh, didn't she take accounting classes at the Frederick Douglass Center? And I'm uh -huh. just they have those? Yo, rubies. Right, right, right. Rubies? That... She was like, 
that's what made this episode so genius was just the intersectionalities of everything just playing out in this society and time period. Like just, if you're really paying attention, it's like you, or I mean, hell, if you're just any type of marginalized person, you know what I'm saying? It's like, you really pick up on a lot of the subtleties of, of just shit like that. Because uh -huh. I, when I, when real Ruby was having the realization, I had the realization with her. Yeah, I was like, uh, <laughs> oh, 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 okay, okay, all right, I see what's going on here. Like that, like I was going through the motions with Ruby. So you know, like, uh, and that's, uh, but the way they closed that scene with your hands are a bit ashy. It's like uh, that shit fucking sent me. I was like, Ruby, Ruby. Yeah. You're gonna, she's gonna know. They're gonna find out. They're gonna find uh, out. So, um, and I, I honestly think that, um, uh, but also as we will talk about it, uh, Ruby realizes that despite the fact that she was able to get the job, that that's still a black girl at a mm -hmm. job where they, she was the only black girl. Mm -hmm. People went ahead and quit, didn't want to go ahead and mm -hmm. work around her. Yep. You got people using her as basically they lack it because I don't know if you noticed when she said, oh, you're supposed to be at your station. She was like, well, this person asked me to do this and this person asked me to do yeah. that. And this yeah. Like they're using her as their fucking lackey in that fucking place. You can't tell me no fucking difference. Absolutely, absolutely. There's uh, no doubt, but, and, and again, of course, as, and again, as the token, and then especially at this time, you can't do anything. But if she does, if she says otherwise, any type of opposition, she's going to lose her job. She's going to lose her job. The fact that she's there at all is awful to say, but is honestly a fucking miracle, especially at the time that we're living in. It's just like, you know, so they're going to take advantage of that fact. They're going to say, hey, you want this? All right, fine. You can have it, but you're going to fucking pay for it. And and that is that's just like again the the subtle evils mm -hmm. of just all this systemic racism at play happening like it's happening it was happening then it was happening and it's happening it was, now our parents right. it's happening right. right now and I remember my mom you know because I told like she when she was getting her RN here in the in the states because um, uh, Jamaica with reference to their education is a little bit more advanced when she came here she was just kind of flying through stuff but she didn't realize that these white people was mad and they mm -hmm. couldn't get her on the book work. So when she would actually come to do the clinicals, your skirt is one inch shorter than it is one inch uh, uh, shorter than it should be. You're not creasing everything. She got to the point where she was like ironing her stuff in uh, like in the morning, she was ironing the shit at night, she, whatever was going on, she was trying to do everything perfect, but it didn't matter. Cause that's not what the problem was. Do you know when I talked to my mom earlier and I told and she told me the story, I was like, so racism. She was like, oh. I mean, not the oh like, but see I bless her heart. Bless her heart because it's Yo! just like the fact that she that there wasn't even she was like, damn, really? Like that we doing that? Like, like you no, know, she was really like, oh. oh. And I'm like, oh uh, yeah. Oh, that's oh, oh <laughs> that's so that's that's so heartbreaking, Joan. <laughs> I mean, I'd I'd heard stories. I mean, you know, fun fact to the audience, you know, my grandfather uh, was Mr. Universe, Mr. Olympia, uh, body big big time bodybuilder, and uh, I've heard stories through the family, you know, that he would win competitions, and they would tell him, 
you know, you won, but a black man will never win this competition ever again. And to be able, like to, I, I just kind of, and of, of course the family stories of saying, you know, oh, he really, he really did not like her, did not have comfort, was not comfortable in his own skin, we'll say uh, politely about my grandfather. Yeah. Uh, I'm not trying to justify it or, or his actions or people like Ruby, but it's like to be put in a position where it's like you receive a victory, but then not really. Like, it's like the value of it is just taken away. And then like the, the feel goodness of it, of attaining something great for yourself is just snatched away. Like, like that's what I'm saying. It's just like, all right. So it's like, I'm not justifying any of uh, his, his actions, you know what I'm saying? And I mean, unfortunately, uh, you know, RIP, he's, he's no longer with us, but uh, you know, I guess again, like he was more or less living around the same times that this was happening and he was Cuban on top of that. So, I mean, being black Cuban, having a heavy ass accent, like it I, like- I didn't even realize that the, um, that Cuba was at one point so racist and divided and yeah. had colored cars and their white cars. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I, I was like in Cuba? Yeah. Don't they got palm trees? <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? Even mountains, you know, and and but again, I feel like it's just uh, one of those uh, situations where a lot of a lot of times, like you said earlier, black people when they try to assimilate, they end up having to erase themselves, mm -hmm. take pieces off of themselves, having mm -hmm. to break themselves in down into almost nothingness just to be able to get a piece of it. And I think we've just continually seen this in Ruby's transformation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, absolutely yeah so, so uh, mm -hmm. back to montrose because this oh yes let's I just, unpack I just this wanna, i just want to say first of all i'm not trying to be judgy gay men y'all talk first you don't say hello first no <laughs> let me stop i mean it's just <laughs> I mean, a lot of, I mean, I'm just thinking of like back to like grinder culture. There'd be so many times after hookup, like I'm already getting dressed and I'm like, what was your, what did you say your name was? And like, it's like, I, I didn't, that's just not like, you know, and like in this, that's how it is. I swear to God, like you will sit there and they will give you like the Gluck Gluck 3000, like, you know, all types of sloppy toppy, all of that. And then just. That's what happens when you get paid. I didn't, yeah. I didn't know like for the free, like that's crazy. It's wild. I know. A lot of times it's like no talk. I mean, I, I I'm a chatterbox, so like I would show up and be like, yeah, you know, so blah 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 blah. And it's just like, like shut the fuck up, like. Oh, oh, but, uh, just, uh, sir, try right. to respect me, damn. Right, you know. Of course, they would do it a lot more like sensually, but basically, like, shh, you know, like we're, <laughs> we're, we're, we're here to. No more speaking. No more. Yeah, That's it's like. Shh. No. Okay. Right. 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 No. Really. It was. It was literally that. It was literally that. But I will say so, this. So what I said, at least about the situation. Uh, now Montrose has come in, and um, oh, as well, soon as the door is closed, like the door just closes, and then Macho starts taking down his pants, and then he looks at Sammy, who just starts taking off his. And all I can think to myself is, I really hope better for gay men. I want y'all to talk more before you do this. Well, the thing that immediately stood out to me uh, with Montrose was, and that's another thing too, not just seeing myself, it was a combination of just seeing myself in, in a lot of different elements, but in Montrose's inability at a certain point in time to like come, really come to terms with his sexuality. 
and keeping a detachment from it. And the very first hint that I saw of that is when he refused to kiss Sammy. Mm. And that was, I was like, he's not comfortable with any of this. Like, and the fact that there's no, um, there was no love to it. Like he just turned him around and bent him over and just, and the thing is, it was like a pained, like it was like, he was like having sex with him, but like, it almost felt like you could see that he was like hating himself, like at the same time. It's like, I will say this. I, I feel like there's definitely self-hate that I saw within yeah. him was having sex with Sammy, but I feel like as much as he wanted to make it like there was no emotional connection, it was like just the way they were fucking with both of their hands over Sammy's heart. I was just like, you may want to run from this. As That's what I'm saying. Right, run, exactly. Well, you and that, can't. Like, and that goes back to the shame. No, go ahead. Eating, but I'm like, you still love this nigga. He does. And that goes back to the self. I understood. I understood that like clear as fucking rain. It was the complexity of that, of one, the sexual, but then also the emotional that he's now feeling. I have feelings for this man. And I know I do. And that's why I'm saying like, I could, I, the the acting again, it's just like, you could see. He so played, exemplary. So it was just like, I don't know who incredible. plays Danny. And I just want to say, you did amazingly, sir. Absolutely. What an icon. Like, as Michael K. Williams, we're going to continue to suck his dick for the rest of the No, time. absolutely not. For, but, for the rest of this, yeah, this whole Oh, yeah, 100%. This. But, Sammy, you're a fucking icon. Like, absolutely. I... Absolutely. I, absolutely. I aspire. I aspire. Because, mm-hmm. bitch, the way you walked. Okay, anyway. But, um... Oh, absolutely. Yeah, um, so, so, I mean... Yeah, now, yeah. Um, and I love how it's uh, uh, what is it? Bad religion is is no. playing. Oh, oh the fact that it was bad religion. Bad religion. That was <laughs> fucking playing. I was just like, y'all ain't funny. <laughs> like, y'all like, are not funny at all. Our bisexual king, you know. No, our, uh, listen. <laughs> Who, by the way, I just have to go ahead and drop because, you know, I love Frank Ocean. Everybody kept on saying that Frank Ocean got jumped by Chris Brown. Chris oh. Brown tried to beat the shit out of Frank Ocean and Frank Ocean what? tapped that ass. Oh. Uh, why did I not hear about this? Listen, because they don't want you to know. They want you to think that Chris Brown's cracked out. He's on meth. He can't fight. <laughs> Unless he thinks he's about to run out. <laughs> I feel like he's his most dangerous. You know what I'm saying? Like, crackhead strength is real. No, let me stop. That's okay, the crackhead so- strength is just coming in, you know? So it's like so, lifting um, cars. I will teach you to. Uh, but but one of the uh, the things that I uh, that we mentioned a little bit earlier in reference to Ruby. So now we go to the back room so we can hang out with all the other racist white women as Hillary died. Oh, right? God, yeah. So now Ruby is bonding with the staff, and of course things turn racist as they do. As they um, do, it's so crazy how you're like, oh, wholesome white t- and the racism. Do you get like I was like, damn, I was like, and there's the racism. Okay. I was like, wow, 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 wow. okay, wow. Listen, listen, okay, and uh, they start talking about Tamara, and they say they hope no more Tam was robbed through the door, and of course, Ruby, who, by the way, is dancing with the kind of shucking and driving I was not expecting from this white lady, um, and they say, she, Ruby says, well, I hope whoever walks through the door is more qualified than her, 
Uh, and then, of course, the white ladies say, of course she's unqualified. She's a Negro. Yeah, I... The way Ruby stopped. Like, the way... <laughs> the because, way... right, she's living... To me, it was like, you're... It was almost like a play. That whole... This whole relationship and episode is almost like a play where Ruby is a person who found a genie in a lamp. And that genie is Christina and granted Ruby this wish, basically. And hey, here, be a white woman, live your life as a white woman. But then now you're seeing the trick, right? Now you're seeing the the cost, the price, the the flip to that wish that you cost. And it was that. Like she's there living her life, everything's good. And then she's confronted with firsthand the racism of, and again, there goes back to the assimilation, right? Like when you're that token and hearing that word get thrown around or hearing something racist get thrown around and you let it slide, like you let it rot because you, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, and I feel like also in this space, I realized that no matter how much you try to assimilate, your blackness isn't something you can just shrug off. It's not something you, know, you can shrug, they, right. They will try, they will try. But let me tell you something, that's a struggle. And in that moment, you saw that internal struggle of realizing that even in this white body, you are not immune mm -hmm. to the racism <laughs> that you're mm -hmm. hearing. You're not immune, even in this white body. And they tell her that, oh, you seemed real comfortable with Tamara. Maybe she could get Tamara taken to a bar on the South Side. They I wrote said, that. It'll be like a safari. I wrote that. I wrote that. Right? I wrote that. <laughs> and that shit, I just, first of all, just, I threw up a little bit in my mouth, but also <laughs> just because it's just so fucking gross. But also, again, that just goes back into the, it makes, honestly, it makes me think of, oh my God, what was her name? And everybody hates Chris, his teacher. Um, I remember. <laughs> uh, oh my God, I can't remember. I can't remember her name, but the teacher in Everybody Hates Chris, how she would just say all this outright racist shit, but she had this feti deep fetishization for Black men. Like, that is what these ladies reminded me of yes. in this in this episode. Oh, wow. I was like, yeah, they want to go to the safari, but it's because they're trying to pick themselves up, you know, a little something. something. Right, right, right. Type shit. Like, that's, and that's how they see it. It's like, and and that's something that I've always struggled. Like I, I've always struggled to like understand what it is, especially with like the, the the slave owners at times, and then just racist white people at times. Like that fucking disgusting boss. Like let me smell it, type ass nigga motherfucker. In this episode, like just it's like I don't understand. It's just like, do you hate us? That it's just like, are are we really beneath you guys? Because it's just like, what is this sick sexual obsession you have at the same time? I, I feel like this is something that we just have to realize that white people can be sexually attracted to things that they hate. And I say things on purpose because they don't see us as people. They see us as parts they can use. It's why the whole Mandingo theory is a mm -hmm. thing. Like mm -hmm. we see, or, or why we see even in gay porn, which I watch quite a lot. Uh, I see a lot of, I mean, you know, I watch I was, it. I've been wondering a lot about my sexuality lately because I've just been watching everything. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so, uh, but I will see a dark skinned black man who is mm -hmm. always topping, never the bottom, and it's always a light skinned bottom. Mm -hmm. Or always. if there happens to be a dark skinned bottom, they are so overtly racist. 
when they say shit like Wakanda forever as they come. Oh God. I just, I'm like convulsing with cringe inside. <laughs> like, it's just so. I had to stop masturbating. It was, I, it was, it was that's done. so gross. <laughs> like, oh, that's just nasty. I was just like, no, we were going like, well. And then you had to. That's go. just nasty. Like, I feel like Regina Hall, like it's scary movie. Like, you don't love yourself. You don't love yourself. Like, I'm sorry, just... race play in general. I don't care what side, what you look like, any other type of part of it. Get the fuck away from me. That's all. Yeah, right. yeah. Right. Take yeah. that over there. That's weird. Take that over. Take that over there again. Yeah. Oh, no, <laughs> honestly, just... it makes my pussy feel like the Sahara. Like just, <laughs> yeah. just, just. And don't. unfortunately, unfortunately, again, going back to the white, the desire of white acceptance and white proximity and proximity to it. Mm -hmm. A lot of us lean into the fetishizations, um, even us within the Latino community as well. Again, adding a layer of intersectionality. A lot of times, like I'll see mad, uh, like gay Latin men, like play cater to the spicy, loud, like aggressive, like Latin lover to the to the to the weird white gays who love like quote unquote Spanish boys, which strikes me crazy because we're not Spanish. But that's a, but that's, that's, that's a whole nother can of worms. But like, I'll see them play into it. And it's just like, bro, this desire to cater to whiteness. Like, it's just like you, again, it's like this episode is showing you, you have to die. Like parts of you have to die. You have to like, you know what I mean? Become um, parts off. And become a, a monster right. really in, in your own kind of way. Like a, uh, that like that transformation process is uh, is burned in my mind now of the cost of tokenism and it's just like you see that that's a visual representation of what you're of what you're becoming a hundred a hundred and so ruby uh, says you know well there's nothing special about the south side uh like because she says like, she's been there before they're like oh my god you've been to the south side aren't you scared right. of being around those people yeah Right, right. Um, and then, so a uh, pretty boy comes to pick her up from work and all the white girls cream, okay? And he lets uh, Ruby know that the favor is now something he needs tonight. And she was like, finally, I get to know what kind of deal I made with the devil. I, like, I think I think we put may, might have had the same notes on this. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> and um and then he says he needs the favor right and he tells her there's a box in the back seat written with her name all over it why you gotta give me the eskimo kiss before you give me a maid's outfit I... why you gotta do this i was like oh how sweet and then he came me with a maid's outfit you a dirty bitch and this is what i put in my this is what i put in my <laughs> notes i put it ruby finds herself as a cocktail server at an event Knocked back to the reality in a sense of what she ultimately is, Christina, the help. So I feel like the fact that she is in a maid's clothing, it's just like Listen. that, just you are serving her. You are serving Christina right now. Like, and you just, um, can you see? And I, I literally said so from assistant manager at Marshall Fields to Mammy Maid. To my <laughs> Listen. Right. Right. No, but it's it's true though. I said the look on Ruby's face like she was so yes. and honestly yes. so was I. 
So, so was I, you know, right? Finally meets up with disgusting. Yeah. Lady, by the way, she don't give a fuck about your time. Right. Um, and tells her that William needs her to hide something in the police captain's office. And of course, Ruby is like, like any other nigga in the room, is like, so you trying to get me killed? Right. So, right. So you're just gonna leave me here that. by myself, like right. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and here I am like, now. Do you care about him outside of the opportunity that he's possible that he's providing you? Then I need you to understand that the police captain tried to kill him and that he's the rightful heir to this lodge. Christina, you're talking about yourself. Watch and, yourself the captain, right. and the captain thinks that he's succeeded in doing this will give William the revenge that he needs. So now we know Ruby's going to do it. Cause yeah. Anyway, so uh <laughs> I can we talk about that because yes, I'm not please. really see. I mean, is is it Ruby's still lingering desire to try to live this life as a white woman that uh, makes her agree? Because I'm not seeing much incentive for her going along with Christina's plan. Like, what is she gaining from this though? Like, that's 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 more what I was asking myself. I was like, I don't know. I I, what is severe gap in the writing? Because I felt like that too. Because I was yeah. just, what is like? Like, she's not in love with William. Right, right. There's nothing right. that William has done for her that has made her so indebted that she would actually risk her life. And do so that. Tell me, yeah. Like he's just that enchanting of a no way. He's just that enchanting. But, yeah, but, I mean, the only thing I could think was Ruby maybe wants more time with this elixir, but. Longback is I, not that intoxicating. I'm <laughs> But at the same time, right. Is that really that intoxicating? I don't know. So that's why I did have that in my notes. I was like, I don't, I don't, I'm not really seeing much of an incentive for Ruby to have gone along with this. I, at all. And I really thought that this was just like, okay. Um, so I think we move back into uh, Tick and Letty in the basement who are currently trying to develop the pictures that she took of Adam's pages. And he's, a, and he's basically asleep and he's dreaming. And you see him dreaming about the Arden house being on fire and seeing his mother run through the flame. Oh, yeah. And he and then... wakes up basically being burned alive. And we flip to, to Letty and Tick, who are trying to decipher the pages of, of Adam. And we see that Tick only has 11 out of 26 letters. We don't even know if it's analogous to English. We don't know what's going on. We just crossing our fingers and hoping. And um, Atticus then lets uh, uh, Letitia know that Yahima wasn't let go by Montrose, but murdered. Oh. And she gets to obviously get really visibly upset. And she says that this shit is evil and it's corrupting This them. is the devil's war. These are the devil's tools. I remember she says, I, I, I was like, devil. why did Letty get like old black woman, Southern Baptist? Yo, she tried like, to do a 55 year old black you know, woman. <laughs> one day. And I'm just like, please, why are you doing These the devil's tools. I was like, not the devil's tools, Letty. <laughs> okay. It's about what we do with it. What do we want to do? We want to protect ourselves. And she says, well, look what Montrose did to protect you. To protect you. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, she kind of ain't. She kind of, she kind of ain't. You got, you she might have to. Like, you know, like, what are you going to say? So um, at this point, then 
we flip to Ruby, who is about to do the most dangerous thing a dark-skinned Black woman could do. And just to stop for a second, I just want to let you know how beautiful she looks in this scene. Because even though she's in this maid outfit in red, Ruby, oh, in the oh yes, when when she's I at the, I could not mm -hmm. get over her. I am so fucking obsessed she with. She is her. beautiful though. Like I mean, she is beautiful. She's she is beautiful. Stunning. Um, I just had to take a moment and go there. But uh, so Ruby goes in to the police captain's office. Uh, Wunmi Mosaku. I just want to, I because oh. I, 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 we always forget her name. Wunmi Mosaku is who plays. Wunmi uh, Mosaku. Ruby. Listen, Wunmi. Wunmi Mosaku. Wunmi yes. can win me. Okay. <laughs> I, just, I, just, I just want you to know I'm available. Wunmi can win me. And <laughs> you ain't, listen, girl, I'll drink your bath water. Okay, let me stop. Uh, <laughs> let, me stop let me stop. Let me stop. All right, anyway, uh, moving on, moving on. So, um, so Ruby uh, goes in, she puts a talisman inside of a drawer and she's about to jump out the room and then she hears this moaning coming from the closet. Nigga, why are you going towards the closet? Oh, <laughs> where you have like the guy's body hanging in there. I was like, this thing. Again, now I really understand why she had that meltdown with Tamara at the store. It was like, they were worse than anything you could even fucking <laughs> like, You don't even know what they got going on, girl. That's what I'm saying. Like, you can't even that they got going on, girl. I... And Tamara's like, what did they do to you? No, but right. then, so, so, so then uh, she sees them, uh, she goes to the moaning in the closet and she remembers, um, remember this is the same room that Christina was standing in when she was arguing with the captain. So she goes to the closet, closet and she sees this man who's obviously cannot speak, tongue cut out, but can only moan, and all of the skin on his body is white except for his neck. Mm. And you see the stitching, like they took yeah. somebody else's neck skin yeah, yeah, yeah. his neck. Okay, that's what the fuck I'm looking at, all right? So then she hears voices and some motherfucking white guy, and they come into the room, and then all of a sudden, uh, uh, Captain Stankface, he take off his shirt, and his whole chest, his whole upper body is that of a black man. All the yeah. stitch marks, all, all of them, yeah. all, all of them, yeah. all that's still going on, okay? And Ruby put her hand over the guy's mouth in the closet, and she looked like she was about to throw up. Bitch, we both about to throw up. Um, I mean... And we I mean, can we unpack that too? I mean, I now I definitely see because uh, Jordan Peele was one of the producers on or one of the executive producers, I think, on the show. And I was like, this is very literal get out. Like we're seeing like the, the black bodies being like <laughs> like and also like the organ harvest. There, there's a lot of historical element. That's why like the 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 that decision there creatively, like again the cgi reflects or like those things reflect like what's happening in this time period you know and I, even now shit again there um, it is but i also think even with us seeing what's going on we realize that hiram epstein has been doing these kinds of um experiments on black people and he decided he was going to help out his friends Oh, you want a black chest? Let me go find a nigga to go give you a nigga chest for. Like, yeah. that's what the fuck was going on. And I'm just like, yeah. I, while yeah. I was watching it and I was realizing, like, and and the fact that all of this has real historical contest of things that happened to actual people. Right. Right. Okay. 
Right. And obviously, <clears throat> Ruby, like you said, she freaking out the next day. She's yelling at Tamara, telling her that white people got shit that she has no idea about, and that she could be, she's got to be exponentially better than them. Yep. And again, I feel like it's the constant thing where black people are always telling each other, "You got to be ten times better if yep. you ever decide to even be looked at close to equal." Yep. Yep. Even um, close to being equal. Now, we finally get back to when I say, I want to say during this entire next scene, I want I was bawling my eyes out. Just yeah, out. yeah. First of all, before we get into that, I do just, I, the note I made on that is because we're going back to, I believe, where they're right before they're about to go into. Uh, uh, it was almost a ballroom. Into like this ballroom, yeah. But I literally wrote here. Ballroom. <laughs> it really was though, and I literally wrote here. I was like, the girls haven't changed. <laughs> like, it's like, the dolls are still yeah, the, dolls. the dolls are still the dolls. Like it's just like I love. Well, it's like I loved that. Bitches. I was like, what? I, I, loved I, I loved that. it. I, loved I really that. did. No, I loved that. I loved um, that. Oh. Now, Montrose, so Montrose is with Sammy, and we're obviously very clear in the space where we're looking at very old school drag queens and trans people, and they're all having all these conversations, and you see Montrose, Montrose just sitting sullenly, and uh, all in a corner and shit, uh, well, Montrose uh, wasn't really one for words to, to, to begin with. And then with all the banter that's going on in the room, you hear them talking about Montrose and him being the strong silent type. And then someone comes out and asks, well, are you together or what? Uh, yes, and, <laughs> yes. And somebody else pipes up, girl, they ain't even kissed yet. And yes, I like, put that in my notes. Shut mm -hmm. the hell up. Uh, <laughs> so I was like, damn. And he was like, <laughs> I, like I was just like, okay. Um, and Sammy said, shut the hell up. Y'all, y'all hands wouldn't have nothing to cluck about if you had some cockle doo to do's pecker in your own coops. <laughs> and I was like, iconic mother. Iconic mother. I fucking loved it. Yeah, I was just like, not her eating in like 1940s lingo. Like I was, what? Like, I was like, now we gotta start talking about was... chickens and shit. I didn't even know. <laughs> what is they? Talking with their chicken sayings and shit. I was what? like, I was like, okay. She's still uh where's my fan read the bitch down. <laughs> uh, read a bitch down, okay. Listen, no, she really did though. And, and I, and I love seeing this was a really interesting uh moment too, because like this was a reveal of Sammy's full character. Um, and you really start to see I, I like the underground aspect of this, where it's like obviously you see Sammy as <laughs> As masked as he could present to the, you know, to the world and environment, you know, that he lives in. <laughs> but then it's like behind his closed doors in his safe little environments when he's with his people, being able to see who they were, mm -hmm. you know, that was really beautiful to see. Because again, I put myself living at the time. I probably would have had to have been me too. You know what I'm saying? Like pass, pass, passes as, as much as you can. And then when you're behind your closed doors and you're with the dolls, then, you know, you're, you're also, you're like... You're no. one of the girls again. You you can let your hair down. You know what I'm saying. The costuming, yeah. The, the people that they picked. I feel like I saw someone from RuPaul's Drag Race, but I feel like only Probably. like watch RuPaul's Drag Race. So I have. So I can't confirm if that's who it is. I'll be watching true. Legendary. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but <laughs> I, you know, because RuPaul a little tra- problematic, but it's okay. We won't talk about it. But I thought I saw some people from the show on there, and to see black and brown, uh, trans and queer people, yeah, in- yeah, was just it was just so dope to see, and I just it have was to, like I feel like especially being black and queer people ourselves mm-hmm, being able mm-hmm. to view it, to mm-hmm. be able to see like almost our ancestors. Because that's Absolutely. kind of how I saw it. You know what I mean? Because you know what? Absolutely. And I I love, I didn't even, that ancestor parallel, I love that. Because I, I mean, kind of piggybacking off of what you just said, which is incredible, is it, to me, it really shows we've always been there. And even though society, you may look at this time in the fifties where this is all set and you don't think it's just like, no, we were still there. We were still there. We had our ways. We were under, you know what I'm saying? We were still there though. Like that was the, the culture was still there, you know? And that was just beautiful to see. And that's why I love watching period pieces to even see how they approach the queer, like, um, I was worried. I was, I was, I mean, I was worried. I mean, knowing, I really knew it was the 1950s and when it was started to be implied that Montrose was gay, that alone worried me. I was like, Jesus Christ, I was like, gay in the 1950s and a black man on top of that, like, that's- And a dark-skinned black man. And a dark-skinned black man on top of it. Like, it's just like, that's just, oh man. Like, I, I, and again, I'm not justifying the demons that we saw Montrose trying to exercise as per last episode. (laughs) I'm really not. But at the same time, like, I could- I mean, shit, again, this is where I'm saying, like, I can see myself and I relate of fighting and wrestling with with that part against yourself, even at a time where, I mean, being gay was still not, uh, you know, not, a, it wasn't like, I, I don't even know, I'm not going to say it was a good time to be gay or, you know, <laughs> but like, even still at a time where like, that was still really difficult. I can only imagine the 1950s where, no, that was literally like, like you're you could die like like you were signing your death warrant yeah like they could kill you that was the state that was the age that we are 100 percent living in and it Mm. was like even in that space where you see all of these kind of all these black you know queer and trans people in this room it was like even though i was seeing all of their happiness because of the time period that part didn't go away like i'm just like don't go outside Mm -hmm. You know don't what I mean? Like, like, no, no, right, like, right, right, right. And I was, like, and all I could think to myself was, just like, damn, how do they do this though? Like, does anybody see? I was thinking about all this technical shit. I was like, do they like? How do they know where to meet? I like, do they change? Like, like, are these all just kind of like? I don't know if you can say spinster referring to men, but like, are these like, <laughs> are these like spinsters? Like, you know, like I don't know. Like, I was wondering like how like they just were even the log- like the just the logistics of even yeah the, um, of how that would exist would in like the nineteen like you know what yeah. I mean? Like, Who do you, you know? Have, like, yeah. Like, I, I'm I, sure there was like a system or like, you know, well, like I'm sure. little, because yeah. just like black people had to have a system in order to be able to meet together. The intersectionality of it all is the black uh, people trying right. to find a space where they can meet and be where it. they could right because notice these are not even like white queer people amongst them because I'm sure they're gonna have their own space because they those those they spaces were not even they weren't gonna be there. That's what I'm saying. So it's just like it's funny how racism thrives even in the midst of intersectionalities like that it's just all of the oppression it was like when i learned during the whole russian ukraine and stuff war how i was like y'all still got time to be like oh no africans allowed on this train i said the same shit i was like people are hopping on trains you're like but first racism (laughs) (laughs) 
for real like i was like i know you fucking lying like i i i, I couldn't even fucking believe it i was just like you're lying you're lying you're lying like this like this is that people are dropping bombs I was, yeah I was right like, there's literally bombs falling out the sky i was like they're not stopping for to make sure we don't got any black people on the train they're not doing that oh the, they the, are the, the, fu- the fuck they weren't they really said but wait there's more <laughs> racism so I mean, I mean that's 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 how you hear that. Back to Montrose. Back to Montrose. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> back to Montrose. Um, but um, before we get um um uh, back to Montrose, let me see because I said he was an icon. Okay, yes. So we're gonna go back to the white bitches at the bar, right? Because oh now, now we at the South Side. <laughs> I knew I was forgetting something. I was like, <laughs> I just didn't want to. The best part. Listen. So um. They go to the South Side party. All of a sudden, some white bitch picks up Tamara. She's like, show me the bunny hop mambo. <laughs> yeah, whatever the fuck that was. And I love how that same face that Tamara made transcends time and space because to this day, <laughs> we, as the audience understood the face that <laughs> we understood what was going through that woman's mind. <laughs> like she you was have to like, say a word? <laughs> it was like, she might as well teach me how to do the Dougie. <laughs> and drives you to the dance floor. Teach me the cabbage patch. I don't hear that's all the rage. <laughs> like, have you ever done a sprinkler? Like, I, I don't want to do this with you. I just, I just don't. I just, I just, I just. I don't. feel like, I feel like that was the equivalent to whatever Buddy Hop trot, like, whatever At that was. Time, he was like, he was like, 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 a, he's like, I can also Superman that hell. Like, you're like, what? I feel like it was very much that. It was, it was, it was, it was giving all of that shit. I promise. And you can, oh my God. I cannot tell you what the writers were thinking, but in that moment where we zero in on very white Ruby, you can see her look at this whole scene in slow motion. And in my mind, I'm thinking that she's thinking I've brought danger into this space. Yes, it's true. And I actually, I, I, I have that here in my notes and I, and I put dangerous how white people can navigate um, black spaces, but it can't be the other way around. Mm. and it's crazy yeah because it's just like these white people are like oh my god let's go to fucking you know this place like <laughs> like it's gonna be so fun and they can do that and they can do that and but black people were like that, that'll be the last time you show that'll up be the la- right that, 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 be, you, you're not going back home that'll be the last thing you do on this earth right absolutely and I was like, that's interesting. But yeah, also, <laughs> I also put here too how Ruby's realization of I've brought danger here. Mm-hmm. That's all I could think. And I'm like, I like it, the actresses are either speaking into my mind or that I'm reading. Right, right. I, Between I, Tamara I, and Ruby, like it bro. was like, mm-hmm. now, listen, those actresses really, uh, the, the, this is uh, both white and black Ruby and Tamara have an amazing uh, capability of being able to convey all of these emotions with just their face alone. And I just want to say how much yep. completely pay- played out so fucking artistically incredibly. and in these fucking scenes. Yep, I do want to make yep. sure that I say that. Um, and then, then we watch Ruby's full transformation. She literally breaks the bottle. She goes out back. She breaks the elixir and allows herself to change. And we watch 
this black woman peek behind this white woman's face was so incredible to kind of- I love that. Yeah, I love I, that. I, I, I like to the point where I was just like, oh, whoa. You know, like that this, you can't tell me that she wasn't purposeful then. No, like, it was absolutely a hundred percent intention. And that's what I think makes this so fucking brilliant. It's like, this the is intention. the intention. That's why, that's what I mean. The CGI complements the, the story being told. It's not like, just like something to look cool. It's like, there's, there's, it, there's a reason it's there. And I love that. I, I, I have that in my notes too. The, again, you're seeing like the, the black woman's face, but behind this bloody, like monstrous white woman mask and it's like a, uh, ah the the metamorphosis when when they said that the, the tagline was metamorphosis these niggas wasn't lying okay and i right and unfortunately when she does step over i mean she's seeing her piece of shit fucking boss mr fucking pepper Chelly or whatever the fuck is that man. What, whatever that man's name was trying to sexually assault tamra with his fucking let me smell it which was I hear so your girl smells sweet down there. Oh God, that was that literally made my skin crawl, bitch. Like I was like, this is so nasty. Like, and the fucked up part is just like, bro, y'all want to call us like pigs and like animals, and I'm like, bro, you guys are the, you guys are sitting here acting like animals. Like, what is that? Like, like what like the fuck type of like shit is that? Intoxication with the fetishization of of black women like in general and the fact that we saw it play out in that moment and the black body parts of our just black, our body parts yes black body parts yeah like it, it, it which, which by the way you only seem to respect black bad black body parts in white skin but we'll go right on. when they're not on black bodies right black or brown bodies absolutely Listen. so, so mm -hmm. thankfully tamara bites the shit out of him and of course he calls her a nigger bitch you know with the hard r and i was like you know every time i yeah. hear ah, no I'm i know right. it's like it's like, like a fucking um, wound to the heart yeah um, we said in the last podcast, I will never get over sure. the hearty heart. <laughs> now, flip Did back. Did I get over the what? What I believe is the most beautiful scene of this entire episode. I had to look up the song that they played, which is Lonely World by Moses Sumney. Moses Sumney. I put that there too. Again, music directors, cinematographers, costume directors. It's just dripping black excellence in this. It movie. really, it really just, oh man. It was, again, I, I that's another just perfect example of just the music, the way it opens up is, you know, lonely, lonely, lonely. And, you know, you see Monroe's just by himself, surrounded by all of these people living their lives, like living in their truth. Yes, exactly. We saw that at the same time. And living in their truth. And Montrose feels isolated by his truth. And again, I'm seeing Montrose here because that was me once once upon a time. You know, it's just like sitting around and seeing things like drag and all these things that were, you know, all these men living bold and unafraid of something that I spent so long hiding and carefully crafting and curating a passable way of behaving just so I wasn't going to be harmed or you know what I mean because I mean and, and that's why like I this is why queer culture was built by the femmes and by the gender queers and by the non-binaries 
by these people because they were the ones who couldn't pass. They weren't, and not only that, they didn't want to, mm -hmm. which is the more beautiful thing and bravest thing about it. That's not that they even, they didn't even want to. And that is what makes them trailblazers and heroes. And I think seeing the full, um, full rainbow, if you will, you know, like no pun intended mm -hmm. of like what queerness is, Montrose is there feeling isolated by it. All yes. the while seeing his partner, Sammy, living his authentic, just beautiful self, you know, and being happy. There's jealousy at some point. There's I'm the watching, jealousy of it. Yes. I'm, I'm go ahead, go ahead, go Sammy, ahead. like, yes. kind of move through this yeah. space yeah. and look so beautiful. Yeah, and, and look beautiful and graceful. And, doing and, it. and, and confident. And yes, and like, yes. So much himself at this moment where you were like, this is who Sammy always was. Yes. Like, you're, like you're seeing it. And Matros is looking at him with such awe and suddenly Sammy pulls him onto the dance floor and they start dancing together. And you see Montrose start to feel free in a way that I don't think he's ever felt free in his life. And he's and ever like, felt, yeah, absolutely. Seeing, I'm trying not to cry. Seeing no, like, absolutely. Like him being reborn in real time in front of us. It was like, this whole show has been about metamorphosis and you seeing yeah. Montrose being transformed. Oh, you're, getting, you're making and, me cry now, Sid. And, and to actually feel that semblance of freedom and what it really feels like to him. And then Montrose grabs Sammy and he kisses him in front and of all of And he kisses him. And he kisses him. it was so deep and it was almost, it was healing. It was it healing. Was healing. It was. Oh, Jesus. Uh, so I cried. I cried like a baby watching this, obviously. And um, I know I shared my, uh, I, I shed my tears in Holy Ghost, but for some reason, this particular episode, it hit me so hard because we are so used to seeing dark-skinned Black men in these yes. violent roles where you never get to see any type of vulnerability. And I think that Michael K. K. Williams, God bless his gift that he left to the earth. He gave us a full character and that was a masterclass. No, it was honestly, that was a whole masterclass session right there. Like that performance, that whole scene that I, I mean, I got choked up watching that because again, it's like, bro, I, I, I know what that feels like to finally have that moment of like, bro, just fuck it, fuck it. Like I, like, this is who I am. And it was so heartwarming to watch that with, again, especially in a character like Mar uh, Montrose, dark-skinned Black man, mm -hmm. forced especially into a role of hyper-masculinity. And you know what I'm saying? And seeing just Sammy and just all of the all of the, uh, of the people around him living in their truth. I love that that gave him bravery to, to go ahead and finally kiss the man that he loved. And that's, and it was just a kiss. It was just a kiss, but the kiss was so powerful because again, if you're paying attention, you saw what a big deal that was. That's like the last barrier. Yes. The last it piece, that intimacy. Like that the passion in that kiss, yes. the chemistry between those two actors. My God, like I now I wish that you was together for real. Like, like that's like that's that's how amazing and how powerful it was. And I am just I, again, Michael K. Williams, just 
everything. No, no, like just, I mean, blew me away. I mean, that performance was was incredible. Again, I unfortunately didn't look up who plays Sammy, but also the actor who plays Sammy again. I mean, incredible job. Both of them, their 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 chemistry together, and <clears throat> Michael K. Williams. I I'm just I'm thankful for a figure like that that again can give us black queer representation. And I mean, this is why community is so important. Mm. And as if people were communal people anyway. And or even as a species, like as a human species, we are community people, you know, and to this is why it's important if you are queer and you are listening to this, or maybe you are like Montrose and you're not fully coming to terms with that just yet. It's important to surround yourself with people. It's more important, I should say, rather, to surround yourself with people who are willing to live in their truth rather than try to keep forcing yourself into a place where you feel like you have to hide who you are or um, assimilate in any kind of way. I, and I also and I also want to say that I know that especially if you are deep in the closet, your knee-jerk reaction is to not do that. It's to not yeah. make friends with people who are living out loud. And I am telling you what you are, what you because what you need is courage. Mm -hmm. And those people are literally holding it for you. They're mm -hmm. letting you know that they can live out loud. And mm -hmm. you're living in this really small space where you feel like if you take one toe out of line, that people aren't <clears> even <throat> love you. Mm -hmm. So I need you to not use that knee-jerk reaction to be like, oh, I can't be friends with those people. Those are going to be lifelong friendships. Thanks. Those are going to be lifelong friends. Yeah. Those are going to be lifelong friends. And <clears throat> it's, it, it's, it, listen, it's 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 a journey i get it and again uh coming out of the closet everybody does that at their own pace you know um sometimes unfortunately like myself you know do you you have no control over when that happens and sometimes we are outed um but i mean overall the message still stands the same and it's you know always be true to who you are uh no matter what and i think it was just a beautiful moment for this was honestly if I'm honestly, if I, I'm not even trying to be like exaggerating here or nothing, but I feel like this episode and this show was such a cultural reset. Mm. I think in terms of and like in so many ways, yes. in it so really many ways, it was a cultural reset in so many ways. <laughs> and I also feel like this show was one of those things that black people, black queers, really needed. Because 100%. To be able to, because we are always seen as like, you know, the quirky best friend, the same right. way where white people treat us, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. The way black There's the gay best friend. Are, yeah, that's a very real trope. All right. Yeah. The way black queer people are featured, even in black media, we are mm -hmm. only there to further on the straight story. Right. We are right. only there to make you more interesting mm -hmm. and to go ahead and see a show where they actually take queer characters even when they're not the starring role and to give them full breath, give and them depth, characters. Yeah. Come on, come on. Incredible. I'm sorry. Hats it, off to the writing, absolutely. It, it 100%. just, you know, again, Misha Green and I'm sure, you know, other people on her team that she was using, I mean, hats fucking off to all the writers of the show. Cause I mean, that's the type of shit that, um, I'm not seeing in the book, but I mean, there's a good reason for that. 
but, but you know, um, I think that Shocker. really made the show <laughs> right, right. That made this show the cultural reset uh, that it was. Um, anyway, so then we finally go back to our uh, one of our last closing scenes here, and uh, we see this is I, I put a, a couple notes here on this scene because this one really just so we finally have this exchange between Ruby. Christina and Ruby. Right. And Christina is, again, trying to appeal to Ruby's um, femi uh, femininity the same way she did with Letty. But Letty, uh, Ruby tells her straight up, shut the fuck up. Seriously. She says, shut the fuck up. And she says, you cannot compare yourself to me. And I loved watching Ruby check her because it's like, look, all of, look, cut all of this tomfoolery aside, like put all of this tomfoolery away. It's like, I'm not, it's just like, all this woman shit. It's just like, no, you are a white person. Like, are, like stop, stop. You like, are stop a white like person. Yeah, and she even says that. She's like, I lived your life. I walked a few days in your shoes. She saw what Christina, and I think that's what made her so angry. And that's just that, that when she opened them, that's like, shut the fuck up. Yo, Honestly, like, I, from I the like, chest, that shit came from the chest. She said, shut the fuck up. Like, like yo, like I really loved it because yes. she needed to check her because absolutely, absolutely. because Christina is uh, one of those white women who come into your space and they have a lot of words to say, but it's just right, like, right, right, intellectualizing everything. Balance. But that's the thing; it's yeah. intellectualizing I've and, and all this. Where right. you are, bitch, shut the fuck no, up. no, you have, and that's why it's shut the fuck up. And that's why I love Christina says something like uh, disillusioned and Ruby tells her the only thing you white women are disillusioned with is yourselves. Like all white women. Like all white women. Y'all are disillusioned with yourselves. And, and it's... Oh, no, no. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I said, and Christina says, uh, after all of this, you misunderstood William's invitation. It wasn't oh. just to be white. It was to do whatever the fuck you want. And I Which said, I put, look, what episode did you say? five, and finally Christina said something that I liked. Yeah, but the thing is, is I was just like, okay, but at this point in time, is it being white and doing whatever the fuck you want the same thing? That's exactly what Christina was saying. That's what I'm saying. So that's, just, but that's where she was like, oh, it's not just being white. It's being, it's doing whatever the fuck you want. I'm like, bitch, that's the same shit. Like, <laughs> that's, that's, I was just like, this is, that is the same thing. But I did see, I did see what Christina was, I was like, okay, I mean, yeah, you are right. But then she asked, was like, who are you uninterrupted? Yes. Who are Which you? brings us to. And, then, what, and that's why I said that I, I, Christina asked a question that I want all black women to ask themselves. Who are you really uninterrupted? Uninterrupted. Mm. I think for a lot of Black women, um, we put ourselves in boxes a yeah. lot of times. And and obviously the world is already putting us in boxes on, mm. on a regular basis. But I feel like a lot of times when we want to reach outside that space, we are always being stopped in some kind of way. In some capacity, always, right. It's always like, I can never just be. Mm -hmm. I can never just be uninterrupted. Mm -hmm. And then I think to myself, what the fuck would I do mm -hmm. if I knew that I wouldn't be interrupted again? Um, so this is why, like you said, this next scene, I was just like, huh, ideas. This to me was one of the most satisfying moments of like television. Like 
I was like, this right here, like, is top top tier, like, five. So if there was Michelin ratings you could give to show, like, <laughs> this was Michelin five star, like, like closing. It's my money. That's this, like, this. <laughs> that was just the most gangster shit I've ever fucking seen. And the way she, and again, I get, I, I keep, I feel like we said this a couple times in the episode, but I, I got to give it to the actress. Because there's that part where he says, uh, do, what was her name? Dorinda? Dorita? <laughs> Dor Dorito? No, the, uh, no Dorinda. Uh, her name was Dorinda, right? <laughs> you can't bless Dorinda. I, I think it was Dorinda. But he was like, Dorinda, your eyes. And her eyes were like all freaky. And she's like, you like them? Uh, I was like, I was oh, like no. I was like, oh, listen. So when she goes into this office and she's going to offer her, she decides Hillary Davenport, white lady say, she's going to offer her resignation. Now, he's visibly upset and he says, is this about money? She says, no, this is about you. She says, from the moment we've met, I've been attracted to you, but I couldn't let my licentious ways jeopardize your reputation with the company. And that was the, and the only option that I had was in order to fuck your brains out. And I was just like, yes. But knowing that this is Ruby, that's where you're like, this is and not I was gonna... like, Ruby, what you doing? So then he starts to make out with her. She's like, no, 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 no. You're always in control, aren't you? Don't mind if I can take control this time, do you? And of course, at this point, I'm like, Ruby, what the fuck are you doing? What the fuck are uh -huh. you doing? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I was like, and she, she tries to tie his hands up and but she yeah. takes off his tie and ties his hand. She takes off his belt. And he's really enjoying all of this at this time. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, and she and she says, I know you want to talk to me about something. What was it? And he says, jumblingly, he says, well, I was, he was going to fire Tamara that she wasn't pulling her weight around here. And she puts the belt around his neck and has him with his pants and underwear all around his ankles. And she makes him get on his knees and she puts her stiletto in his face and tells him to suck it. I was to like, suck it. I was like, <laughs> That's yo the oh my I, god! I, 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 yo, was, the, I, I was I wasn't prepared. Second. All right, you know, it, it, it was kind of a more tame version of that scene in P Valley when what's her name made him made that made that guy um oh. swallow oh, the gun and then she started like throat fucking him with the gun. <laughs> like, it's like it's that same energy. It's the same. Yeah, energy. got it. I was like. Like, yeah. no, what's going on? Okay. Uh, and then she stuffs her underwear in his mouth, makes him get on his belly and says, you, <laughs> and says, don't you like them? Nice and sweet, right? I was mm -hmm. like, mm-hmm, yep. Reciting the, the, the remembers <laughs> the words, right? Listen. Remembers the words. And yep. And she and listen when she said, "I hope it tastes sweet." I was like, "Oh no, she doing this for you, Tamara." Uh, and she she takes her stiletto heel after he's on his belly, and she and does right. She I I, I wrote for to be nice. She pegs him with the hell of with the heel of her shoe. That's that's what happened. Right, 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 right. She is and a just, lot of times. It was a lot of no, times. It was a lot of times. It was a lot of times. Like you could tell she was just ripping through this guy's asshole with this stiletto heel. 
And and it's even just even more brutal because she's transforming at the same time. Right. And you see the blood and everything fall off of her and she's still just fucking going at him with the stiletto. Yo. And then she delivers that line. Yo, she turns him over and says, I wanted you to know that a nigger bitch did this to me. <laughs> yeah. And then she walks out as the lyrics go from Bodak, Bodak Yellow. Yo, yo, so I'm saying, yo, like, the transition, I was like, who, whose hands are behind this? This is who who fire, bro. This shit is gas. Like, who did this? From the back. Like... <laughs> From the back, like up to like, I oh my god, like I, 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 I really, I truly wasn't prepared. So, last scene, then we switch to when Ruby finds out that Christina and William are the fucking same person because mm-hmm. William comes home and basically bursts into Christina. Uh, and then, and then, um, the very last scene that we see is Tick is by himself and he's pouring over Adam's pages and he finds something disturbing and he actually begins to tear up. It's that disturbing. And he calls a phone number and this woman answers the phone and he says, how did you know? And he says, you should have listened to me. And on the paper he's deciphering, you see the word die. And then that's the end of the episode. And that, and that was, that was quite a fucking journey. Uh, I mean, wow. I mean, again, just all of the little undertones and the overlayings of every, I mean, this was just such a, just social, like commentary. Like, it's just like the, this was just like, I really feel, I really feel bad being just even a cis uh, straight person Mm. watching this show because I feel so many things would have gone over your head. That's why what I mean, anybody who was like, who was like, oh, I don't really like Lovecraft. I'm like, Nigga, were we watching the same show? Like, I was just like, like, what you, what you like you thought it was boring. Like, what the fuck are you, what, like, what are you saying? Like, and, and honestly, straight men say that shit the most. Yeah. A lot of men who I've spoken to, straight men, I've been like, you didn't like Loka. It was like, eh. yeah, it's too, it, it, again, there's the intersectionality of it. It's, it's, it's too I'm gay. I'm like, so what you're saying is you them, it's understand too, it because too much of it went like this. Right, it went, over, it went over your head. Right, that's that's basically what I'm understanding here. Which but anyway, is- <laughs> now it's time for our favorite moment of the show, the most magical Negro moment. Oh, I gotta let you go first this time. Oh, man. Well, I, mean, I feel like, <laughs> I, I, feel like I mean, my choice is pretty obvious. I'm gonna give it to homegirl Ruby. Like, I feel like, I feel like, she, I mean, come on, that last seat, like, I mean, the, like, plus she was literally going through magical transformations. So, like, the, I mean, that's... The entire time. That's, like, I, I mean, know. right, the entire time. So, I mean, but that's too on the nose. But really, I think watching Ruby's internal yes, transformation definitely. and metamorphosis, yes. and also just the way she, little subtle things Ruby did do, like, try to like when he asks her how he how they feel about quote unquote negroes working at the space and she used her the power of her white privilege in that moment to try to open doors for other colored people to be able to to it's to true. work at um, like the as ministry long of as they work hard and as long <laughs> as they do whatever right. she's like i, I don't see a problem I right, exactly. an issue. And they can um, they can work at the ministry of marshals <laughs> you know, you know. but um, the goblins yeah. <laughs> oh God. 
Why you had to take it there? <laughs> it was, I could, it was like, the, it was I no, honestly it. fair. Very <laughs> I'm not even mad at it. I, I'm not even mad at it. Okay. So um, um, I actually have to agree that I think that Ruby was definitely the, uh, the, the magical Negro of this episode, but I would say a strong runner up is Montrose. Because oh, oh, okay. No, let's talk about that's, it. That's good because that metamorphosis, mm. and, and I and I have to call it magical. I really do. It was that no, type it, of it uh, was. metamorphosis, especially for a dark-skinned black man in this stage in this era, surrounded by all of this beautiful, like trans black queerdom, to be able to finally, like, like I said, when I when I said I was bawling it was like i felt we were both going through a very magical process as i even watched the scene damn i mean like am i allowed to retract an answer is that, <laughs> like, is, is, is that allowed did we discuss this in our rules and regulations <laughs> i honestly I don't know. think that ruby and montrose um i feel like they went through these these amazing transformations but almost in opposite senses yeah Montrose was making a transformation um, to actually be become a better part of himself, mm -hmm. um, and and Ruby was making a transformation where she was finally gaining the knowledge about what being white was all about mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and what that actually meant. And so I, meant. I, so I'm sorry. I feel like I feel like we're here. I feel like the man. Like I feel like the. I honestly. I, I feel like it's a. Uh, it's an honest tie, but there could there could only be there could only be one. I just don't know how to. Uh, I just don't know how. To... Uh, well, honestly, if that's the case, if it could only be one, I love you, Ruby. But I think I think I'm just in love with Montrose's character. Oh <laughs> damn! I mean, I don't I don't blame you. I so I'm like, can I retract my answer? I'm like, Ooh. it's like. But Ruby had so many just magical moments. Like, just so many just. She did have a lot of magical but moments. But you don't. I feel like you... I just. Her transformation for me, uh, albeit completely dripped in magic, I feel like her transformation for me was her gaining almost a dark knowledge. Do you know you what? Know I... what? You know what? You know what? You're right. Do you know what I mean? You're like, right. Her, you're right. It was almost like her transformation is almost like her becoming less of herself. And yeah. trying to figure out how to live in a world where she has to be less of herself. Whereas with Montrose, he was like, I can live in this world where I can be myself. That, I mean, Montrose, yeah, Montrose refused to be, refused, in that moment, but yeah, I, there was like that, that, that was, moment, I, was, I think that, you're right. You know? I think, I think you're right. I think you're right. You know what? I'm sorry, Ruby. I hate to uh, <laughs> snatch the crown back, but I'm going to have to do it. I used to be on a debate team. I was going to say, take it up with Sid because Homegirl's bringing out some good points that I personally can't argue with. So I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to concede. And I'm going to say, I'm going to have to give the most magical Negro moment to Montrose, Mr. Montrose uh, himself. You really do be getting it. But yo, wound me. Wound me. I mean, honorable mentions, close runner-up, uh, Ruby, uh, Wound me Mosaku, um, and uh, who plays Ruby. Uh, I mean, Ruby, close second. I mean, Listen, I, and especially also, given I this that be iconic Mosaku. close. 
So just let me know. <laughs> You're like, I'm if you could leave here. some room in your heart for me. <laughs> real. And, and, and to be honest with you, like, girl, you rich. Like, I ain't, I ain't even got to be there like that. Just like, let me in a little bit. You feel me? Anyway, um, so <laughs> before we go ahead and wrap up the show, I do want to say, um, just a, a, a singular uh, shout out. I know we say it all the time about the music. My God. Every single episode. Oh man, the musical, the the melodic components like were, the melodies were melodying, the harmonies were harmonizing. (laughs) You you see what I'm saying? It was giving what it was supposed to give. The entire time. That's that's really what it was. And um, I I feel so uh, blessed, not only just to have this platform, this to be a show that we're gonna be reviewing, but to see all of the other shows that we're going to be reviewing through uh, the this Black queer lens that a lot of people don't get to see who look like us, who live like us. So I'm just, I'm I'm excited for episode six. This is the episode where we in another country, girl. I, 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 oh, that's right. We go back to, where where was it? He I, he was in the, uh, he was in World War II, I believe it was, right? So he, which was movie? it World War II? I think it was. No, was it? No, because wait. <laughs> I don't take fought in a war, but I'm tr- I'm trying to remember which war it was. No, I feel silly. No, because yeah. I'm trying to figure out like what war were you really in? Because the Tulsa massacre happened in the 1920s, and that was something his father went through. So I guess that uh, that's why I'm assuming that the war that he was in was the 1940s war, which would be the World War II. It was the Korean War. Oh shit! <laughs> I just had to look it up really quick. Right now. <laughs> it was a, yeah, because I wanted to say I think it's in Korea. When was that? But... Oh, by the way, I I I didn't claim claim to be an expert. Okay. Oh, I, the Korean yeah. War. That was what year was that? Because I'm like, what year are we in right now? Because because I'm thinking it's the early fifties, late forties. Yeah, it was 1950 to 1953, and Tick had come back from that war. So uh, that means, 1950s. yeah, it's the very early 1950s. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Damn, we we really be in a lot of wars, bro. Just <laughs> so, so many wars. It's so hard. I was, I was just like, weren't we in a war in the 40s and the 50s? Okay, right. <laughs> separate wars. I know. And then when did the Japan? When, when oh, did that happen? Sh- right, that's what I was like, and Pearl Harbor. When when did that happen? Like, what did all of these things? I feel like this was a lot of wars. No, <laughs> like, I swear, America loved to invade. I'm sorry. I know that y'all go get upset. Oh, but that's but custom. love to go places where you don't belong. That's <laughs> heritage. <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> that's heritage. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, Listen, let's go before they cancel us. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're going to get banned off of Spotify. Anyway, thanks. Uh, thank you, everybody, for joining us uh, on this episode. Trust, as always, we will be back next week where we dive into episode six called Meet Me in Daegu. Uh, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Not Your Magical Negro. You can also find me on uh, Instagram at Serious Side, like Serious Black. How about you, Sid? And for me, you can always find me at Brujita Sid Noir on Instagram and on TikTok. And of course, uh, Earth is Ghetto Indi- um, Instagram and podcast. Go ahead and look that up as well. <laughs> and as always, everybody, Stay black and stay magical. Peace. <laughs> uh, what about Ebound? Everybody walking like me now. Everybody talking like me now.